3: This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link soul Go to LinkSoul.com. And by Nest Betting. Love where you sleep. Go to Nestbedding.com.
1: This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
2: And the pitch is swung on. Hit the right field. Hit deep. Whitefield going back. at the track over his head. And over the wall. Do you believe
1: that? And 29 other MLB clubs.
2: Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back,
4: go on. Oh, hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh, boy, this third inning is now showtime.
2: It is a judging in blast. All rise, here comes the Judge.
1: Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
3: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live. I've got great news to start the show. Reviewing all the notes. And uh, Houston's really struggling right now. I mean, if you could ever catch Houston at a time, you really want to get them when they're They're not hitting. They're not pitching. This is a time for the A's to go in and look sweet. Because I look at these notes, and I look at them every single day. Uh, The
2: Astros are in blue. There's a lot in there about them. There's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty good. Wow. I
3: mean, you want to talk about firing on all cylinders? I I, I know, you know, at the end of the uh, clubhouse show yesterday – I was getting you ready for today's action, and I looked and went, huh? They're now 20 games over 500. Things have changed in Houston. Stella has gotten her groove back, but I think this is a great deal for the young Oakland Athletics. I think it's great. Young teams going in, and they get to see what the world champs look like. These are the world champs. As Ric Flair has said for all these years. To be the man, you got to beat the man. You got to see how it works. What do these guys do? This isn't the Angels. This isn't the Mariners. This isn't the sorry-ass Rangers. This isn't, no. These are the world champs. These are the guys that have been to the playoffs and the ALCS six straight years. Think about that. Modern day sports, more playoffs, more teams. It's a tournament. It is hard to do. It is hard to win. And they have been to the ALCS six straight years. Now you could look at 2020 where that was abnormal as they were an under 500 team and they got in, but whatever. They still made it to the ALCS. Four World Series appearances. Four World Series appearances in six years. I mean, really, it's only the Yankees, late 90s, and before then, who even did it before that? Nobody. I mean, the A's had the run in the 80s where they went to three straight. They had the run in the 70s. They went to three straight. Uh, Cincinnati Reds went to back-to-back 75-76. I mean, just going, the Blue Jays, went back-to-back, back. and I'm not talking winning. I'm just talking going to the World Series. They've been to the World Series four out of six years. Other than that, we'd have to re- really research that. Other than the Yankees, what, 89, 99, 2000, 2001.
2: 98, that, 98 99, 2002. 98, that. 99, yeah. 2002, that's four. Yeah. Like, And then they're in it again in 03.
3: But in a six-year span, four, you got that group of Yankees, who before that? So, it, it, it it's pretty incredible the run that these Astros have been on. And I think it's great for our players to see this and to be a part of it, to watch it. They should be like sponges. Watch what they do. Come out early. Watch their BP. Watch how they prepare during the games. Take mental notes. What's Bregman doing? You know why? Because Bregman shows up in the postseason. Altuve's a future Hall of Famer. Jordan Alvarez, probably on that route also. Kyle Tucker, he's still leading the American League in RBIs. This guy's been unbelievable for years.
2: Does a player fly under the radar more than him? I mean, I feel like no one ever taught. When you talk about the Astros, it's always Altuve, Bregman, Jordan. I mean, even Jose Abreu gets mentioned more than Kyle Tucker does. I'll give you one. You ready?
3: You want an answer, right?
2: To your question? A player who flies under the radar?
3: uh, On a team of greatness, when you look at how good he was? You ready? Oh, yeah. Bernie Williams. Yeah? Bernie Williams, through that stretch of all those players, Bernie Williams had the best OPS, the best OPS plus, the most RBIs, played a premier defensive position center field. What was everybody talking about? Derek Jeter, they talked about the pitchers. Posada. Paul O'Neal, Tino Martinez. I mean, all these guys that they had during that run. Here comes Roger Clemens. You got David Cohn. David Wells was a big personality. Andy Pettit is there. Mariano Rivera. You got all these guys. Yeah, I mean, at one point you had Wade Boggs at third base with Charlie Hayes, key Brian Hayes' father. We had all that. Chuck Knobloch came in. Who was an all-star player That all these guys but if you look at the actual stats and the guy that no one's saying well why isn't he a hall of famer and we had him on our show it was an honor to have him on the show because bernie williams his life and where he is now as a musician as a legit selling he like sells his music a legit musician and the fact that he's one of these guys kind of reminds me of Barry Zito, where like baseball is something he used to do, and he's now transformed himself into something, I have a new career. I have a new passion. You know, a lot of people will just be, I made millions. I was a baseball player, and I'm gonna go play golf and go to celebrity golf tournaments and go to functions and you know maybe be a consultant or something like that. Now Bernie Williams has a full-on music career now. It was an honor. To interview him and to bring him on from the Coliseum and him remembering all those those magic moments for, unfortunately not the A's, for the Yankees, but battles against the A's. But Bernie Williams would be my guy. If you say Kyle Tucker, I would say, yeah, he'd be like Bernie Williams where you have all these great players. Bernie never won the MVP. Did, Did Bernie ever get like... He won the ALCS MVP once. Okay, that's it? Yeah. Go tell me what his postseason numbers were. Uh, I already know his regular
2: season numbers were better than all those other guys. Playing post- center field, too. Uh, in the postseason, he hit 275, 22 home runs, 80 runs driven in, and had an 865 oh no, uh, eight fifty OPS. Twelve years in the postseason. Yeah. Think about that. 121 games.
3: Playing center field. He's not playing third. He's not playing left, not playing say He's playing the premier. There's three premier defensive positions. There's center, there's short, there's catcher. And he was playing center field and hit big-time home runs. So I'd say, yeah, to Kyle Tucker, I mean, they're loaded. I mean, everybody's talking about the Atlanta Braves. Everybody's talking about the Los Angeles Dodgers again. Uh, But I I tell you what, the Houston Astros, a team that I hate them and will always hate them, but to me we're past the cheating six years ago now yeah the cheating they were past that I mean what they've won and what they continue to win we can still hate them I'm not I'm not telling anybody not to hate them I'm not telling them not to go in after him I even like him when Springer shows up to town and we go after him don't ever let them forget but I got a lot of respect and what I'm my whole point is young players learn like how many times in other sports do you say well man I was sitting there and I was watching Michael Jordan I watch Magic. I watch Bird. I watch Hakeem Olajuwon. I watch Tim Duncan. I guess watching Shaq wouldn't matter because no one's Shaq. But I watch Kobe. Like, you watch. Like, I'll never forget watching Kobe warm up. It was at the end of his career. Kobe would come out like all players do. And he literally went for, like, 45 minutes like he was not playing that night. It was a workout that was – and then – at the time, Rick Bucher was my partner. He goes, yeah, watch it. No one does this in the NBA. It was unreal how hard he worked and the lather he got hours before the game. And knowing that, he probably already lifted because he was a morning guy. Kobe would get up like 5, 6 in the morning and lift. And I think he would show up to the arena, go through that hard a workout, and then go out and play that hard that night. Well, you don't think as a young guy you notice that and you see that and you don't go, damn. So That's what a Hall of Famer looks like. you know. So I think it's important that our young guys get a chance to see that. Martin Gallegos from MLB.com is going to be here at 2.30. Matt Kalahara.
2: We're not talking A's with Matt Kalahara. We're talking Astros. Why? Astros. I guess we can't say honk, but Astros' writer now for the Chronicle in Houston. I want to know. What's it, what's it like living in Houston now? I Big wa- change.
3: I want to know if he got... What kind of flack he got from the trolls <laughs> not right like think like because remember Houston comes to the American League, they go through a rebuild mode and we were kicking their ass hashtag Lastros. we pounded these guys. I remember on uh, one show it was a because I've made a lot of bad predictions that's just hashtag fact.
2: By the way, we will go over them for the season. We will go over all of our predictions for for the eighth season.
3: No, but I've made some bad – like, th- those were all – we knew the team was going to be bad. Those were – those were almost
2: jokingly – we're almost kind of spoofed. Uh, Johnny Dosco does not joke when he does predictions. He's, well, he stinks. Yeah, well, still can't let him down for that Cardinals and White Sox pick. But
3: I had that prediction – what was it, 13 or 14 when I was on 95-7 the game where I said the in, the AL West will come down to – your record against the Astros, because they were that bad. And it was true. I think we only lost like one or two games to them. It was a big part of us winning the division. And we hammered those guys. And then all of a sudden the cheating scandal and all the stuff, and we hammered them then. They don't like us, right? So I'm curious to see what the trolls in Houston did to Kalahara when he came over from the A's beat. And then the leader of men. Do you have the Monday Night Football theme?
2: Not the Monday Night Football. I have the Bills theme.
3: You better get the Monday Night Football theme first.
2: Oh, uh, By the way, they went 15-4 versus the Astros in 2013.
3: Where's my Raiders hat? We will get to that. Raiders-Cowboys-Super Bowl. Is that what we're taking from week one of the National Football League? Well,
2: who would you say Raiders? Jimmy too? G, the gunslinger. Who would you say Raiders and who? Cowboys. Ooh, that's a good one. Cowboys and the Giants team got off the bus yesterday
3: best thing I've saw on Twitter best thing I saw on Twitter last night I went on very briefly as I was doing my walk I think it was Barstool somebody had it giant fan fully painted
2: dark or what would you call them Navy blue what's what's big blue I don't know what their color would be I just think you know I was here they never say they say big blue big blue he's in that blue painted.
3: Red stripe, toll face painted, right? Bald guy, whole head painted and he's just looking just like his dog died. Can you imagine opening night, Thursday, Sunday night football, the world is watching your dumbass paints his entire head <laughs> to go to the game because you're such a fan. you're such a fan. And you get caught on national TV looking like 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 your dog died, There's and a- that is going to be out there forever. Because if you know that guy,
2: you are going to throw that in his face for the rest of his life. I feel like, especially during the NFL season, we get a lot of great memes and gifs from uh, New York football. The New York, New York City football. and I'm, I'm not throwing the Bills in there because they they have memes that are just them jumping in the table. So you allow Jets and Giants or Cowboy fans when they when their teams lose. Guys are showing TVs and throwing things around. And <laughs> I feel like that's what I all. It's always Giants. It's always NFC East team. Well, not Washington, but
3: so those teams mainly. The Commanders they got a win yesterday. Big win
2: kept us alive in my wife's Kaiser Survivor pool. 50k on the line and we got it. Are you allowed to do that that's, as a baseball employee? It's not That's not baseball. Well, it's my wife's money anyway, and it's her. All right. I just make I the mean, picks. I mean, I'm not
3: auditing you. I'm not. I'm just saying. I just make the picks. I am a major league baseball employee, so I stay away from all type of gambling. Unless I am actually in the great state of Nevada, Nevada the silver <laughs> state, which I will be. Guy's trip is set November 3rd, Reno, Nevada. We will be flying from the South Bay to Reno. 28 minutes in the air, in the casino in 45 minutes. Then I'm legal. You can't, you can't, you can't do anything to me. That's not true. That is true. <laughs> Once I'm in Nevada, you can't do anything to me, Major League Baseball.
2: I'm a big baller, shot caller. I'll be in Vancouver. While Just you're there. throwing money around the casino. What's, where, who, what's, who has more snow, you or me? you're in Reno and I'll be in Vancouver. There'll be no, because I'm hoping to play golf. Oh, okay, so yeah, I I played golf last
3: year in the snow. Swear to God, you guys went to the San Jose State game last year, right? Ball hit the green. Bing, it was gone. It was frozen. I'm like, what are we doing out here? Right? That was San Jose State last year when you went up there, right? No. No, San Jose State was playing San
2: Diego State. Oh, I thought you went there one year. Oh, the
3: ho, how about those Spaz techs getting it ran up on them by the Bruins at home? Mountain West starting to shape up our get-back game against Cal Poly this weekend. We have so much to talk about. Weather delay, but we're yeah. already running Nick Saban out of town. Ooh. Nick Saban, oh, he's the greatest coach of all time, running him out of town. I
2: already got a guy that can replace him.
3: Oh, Dion. Coach Brian. not going out. I <laughs> told you he's going to be. Well, my my Dion thing to the Cowboys, if McCarthy keeps winning, it's week one. <laughs> Baker Mayfield is not the greatest quarterback of all time. Is he better than stop? Tom, it. Is he already
2: better than Tom Brady in Tampa Bay? Did you see some of the bad throws Derek Carr had? I'm oh sorry, I, I'm sorry, but I checked their record and they're they're him and Dennis Allen and John Gruden are one to oh. zero.
3: I sent out the great. Someone put out there yesterday. It was the standings of the AFC West with the pictures of the quarterbacks out front. The lovely Jimmy G. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Raiders one to oh, zero. Everybody else zero oh and one. <laughs> We're back, baby. Raider football. Who do the Raiders play next week? No idea.
2: Can't worry about that. Just take it one week at a time. Well, you got to know. It's it's
3: big... ba- basking on – we, I, I, it's baseball season. I'm not in that yet. Who do they play next week?
2: Let's see. Raiders. Oh, Raiders-Bills. Well, I will not mention that to Fran. In I Buffalo. Will not,
3: I will not mention that to Fran. By the way, um, you're, you're, you don't have your Steeler hat on.
2: Well, they didn't show up. Where's your Steeler hat? <laughs> that, was, that was an embarrassing I mean,
3: I had to get up for uh, A's Total Access brought to you by Shrevron. I had to get ready for my pregame show, 10 o'clock in the morning. San Francisco 49ers are the local team. Turned it on. Wait, is that the Steelers? Who are those imposters
2: <laughs> in Steelers jerseys? Wow, you guys stink. There's only one good takeaway from the game. T.J. Watt's still pretty good. That's about it. Good luck with that one. Good luck with that one. Three sacks. Oh, yeah. How did that work out? They only only lost by 23, first game of the year. Tomlin's Tomlin's, uh Hey, all that,
3: hey, we've only had three head coaches maybe going out the window. I'm just saying.
2: Oh,
0: wow.
3: Tomlin's getting fired already. I'm just saying. By the way, more importantly than our shenanigans, Major League Baseball and its clubs will continue baseball's Tradition of honoring those lives were affected or lost on September 11, 2001, while also paying tribute to the men and women who continue to bravely serve our communities and country. 22 years after the tra- tragic events of that day. In addition to pregame ceremonies around the league, all players, managers, coaches from the Mets and Yankees will have the option of wearing NYC first responder caps, all other teams on September 11th will wear a Memorial September 11th ribbon on the right side of their caps. And I'm so glad that we do this. And, you know, we all go back to that day where we were, what it was like, and how Major League Baseball in so many ways in our country's history has helped us heal. You know, at that point, where we were on September 11, 2001, I was working at KMBR at the time. I was on the morning show, the Gary Radnich morning show. And I remember as you get in early, our board op who had been there throughout the night said, "Hey, come here. A plane is crashing the World Trade Center." And at that point, you're like, you know, you weren't thinking much about it. And you're just kind of sitting there watching the news and you're getting ready for the show. And it was getting close to where I always opened the show up with a sports update and a little bit of a commentary, and then Gary would come in. He he would come in as the show had just basically started. He sat in his car and would wait, and he'd always grab my shoulder, let me know he was there, and I would finish, and then he'd pop on, and it's the Gary Rennett Show. And as I was sitting there, all of a sudden the second plane hit, and it was like, oh, my God, we're under attack. And then I had to go in and do a sports update. And why it was significant, the sports update, was because this was at a point where Barry Bonds was tracking, of course, KNBR being the giant station, Barry Bonds is tracking down Mark McGuire's record. And they were in Houston at the time, back when the Houston was in the National League. And before you know it, all games were canceled. Games were canceled for days. Uh, it was, uh, But it was really baseball that helped us have an, a distraction and come back because we were all so glued to the news and the devastation and, and the lives lost, and we couldn't believe that this happened. You know, we hadn't seen anything like this in our lifetimes. The last time was Pearl Harbor. So it was baseball that people started getting away from the news a little bit and baseball brought us back to a little normalcy. And obviously what happened in New York, I'm glad that we see it. We just saw it last night with the hats of the New York Giant people, and you're going to see it with Mets and Yankees. The Yankees are taking on the Boston Red Sox. So I'm just glad that baseball still does this year after year because at some point it could have been where you kind of let it go, but I'm glad that they don't. And I'm glad that baseball just doesn't make it a New York thing. The same, thing, same way we do, you know, because at some point it could have been Jackie Robinson just could have been a Dodger thing. But we don't. We do it throughout Major League Baseball. And I think it's key that we continue to do this, and I think Major League Baseball has done a great job, continuing to honor, and we'll do it all around the ballparks. Because there will be people who were just little kids during that time and they don't remember. And, and obviously when you're a child, you don't remember a lot of things. So it's something that I mean
2: you were really young, seventh grade. Yeah, you were in seventh grade, and I grew up. And where I lived was only about forty miles from Shank, where Flight 93 uh, went down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And they've done a really nice job of turning that that into a uh, beautiful memorial that they've done there. I went, my wife and I went back in twenty eighteen before we went to the All Star Game in DC, and my my family and I, my mom and dad, my wife and I went up there, and it's it's really well done. It's they did a really good job of, you know, remembering everyone that lost their lives that day. And, yeah, seventh grade. It's crazy to think that I was 22 years ago, and I was in seventh grade, so I would have been, what, 12 years old?
3: Well, I think about my own kids who are now seniors in high school, and they obviously weren't born yet. And we, went when we did our 2019 East Coast trip, and I took them to the uh, World Trade Center Memorial. And it was just, wow, being there because I had been to the World Trade Center, and then now you're – you're standing there, and you know I've been to New York, but I hadn't been to that south part of Manhattan in so long. And now to be there, and they're gone, and to go through there, and to go through, everybody should go. It's They, they did a spectacular job, and I actually, and a former Cal football player, baseball player, Brent Woodall, who was a tight end for Cal, very terrific athlete, ended up getting drafted as a, a tight end. He was a massive left-handed pitcher. Well, I played – with him in the San, San Diego Collegiate League. So I got to know him. And uh, he was, unfortunately, lost his life working in the World Trade Center. So to go in there and to see his picture was like, wow. But they did a great job. And so I made sure I took my kids there. And I think everybody, if you get a chance to go to New York, make sure you go to the memorial and go see it. And it's just it's to, to look at like what some of the fire engines look like how some of the steel was just twisted and everything and to know what that day was like what it was like in the city and what it was like in New York and what people went through so if you get a chance to go to New York I highly recommend that you do that and I think it's important that you know for like my children because my children you know they look at it and they go oh my god this really happened like yeah this really happened and so you want generations to know and you don't want people to forget and well, we do realize, too, is that those first responders for what they what they went through and how many have died since because of when you're rubbaging through what they were breathing in and all the things that affected them. So many have died since they did everything they could trying to save people. It may have not cost them their lives on that day. But years later, they so many first responders have lost their lives because of their because of their bravery or and i and because of their bravery and i want to make sure we don't forget them either cuz yes you may have died later but you're dying from causes of what you did trying to save people and being in that rubble for you know just not days weeks months and what that did to your body obviously was so unhealthy and so we don't want to forget them either
2: no well said and uh, i haven't got a chance to go to the memorial at in New York, but I've you know, i never actually been to New York City yet. But I will eventually get there, and I, it's at the top of my list of things I want to see there. So I'm glad baseball is doing it. We know we'll see it tonight with Jets and Bills as well because it's two New York teams playing, especially they're playing in – well, they're playing in New Jersey, but it's the Jets, so they'll do a nice job of that too. But it's nice that baseball does this every year, and it's not I mean, just – you said it's not just a New York thing.
3: MetLife looks right yeah, where – Yeah, the Meadowlands. Right where the uh, – I mean, you – they when they were practicing, you would see – you would see the uh, flames. I mean, it's just right across the Hudson.
2: Yeah. So the, the, I know you've never been to
3: New York as a person who grew up on the East Coast and yeah. never been to New York. Yeah,
2: I've been to New York, just never New York City. My family weren't big, uh, big city people. Went to I went to upstate New York
3: for what? Um, what would you go to upstate New my, York
2: for? My aunt was in from our Great Aunt was in from Ireland, and she had a house there in Upper State New York. Yeah, I think actually. I did go to Coney Island though, so I guess I did make it close to New York City. I had Nathan's, I think I had a Nathan's hot dog. I was did like you young. have a I think I was like ten when I went there. I mean how many did you have? Just, did you have seventy in ten oh, minutes? I'm not like the greatness that is Joey Chestnut. The but.
3: greatness that is. Uh saw something. I don't know how people feel about it. Like in life, some people think black and white, right? You want right or wrong. Yes or no. A lot of I don't know. How many people think that way? But some people do, some people don't. But I know a lot of people do. And I think I think that way. And I've always been somebody that, and this is just something I saw literally, it's what, 2.30? I saw this at 1.30 and I went, huh? The technology is changing amongst us in baseball. And I know that scares people. But ever since we brought in Hawkeye, and Hawkeye was a technology used in tennis. So if you're ever watching tennis, which probably if you watch this show, probably a lot of you don't, but if you are one of these people that watches tennis and you would see where they could show you exactly where the ball hit, whether it was on the line, not on the line, I mean, you're like, oh, pretty cool. It's in or it's out. And the problem that we have had is with Hawkeye calling balls and strikes that just there's some wild looking calls doesn't seem right what are the strike zones you know you can't just say hey every single guy who's 5'9 has the same strike zone that's not the case how tall is Ricky Henderson
2: I was going to say like 5'9 5'10 I mean
3: I we're we're, Ricky and I are pretty much eye to eye 5'10 yeah so he's 5'9 Ricky, Ricky and I, I did the same thing. I said I was 5'10. Hell, I said I was 5'11. I'm 5'9. Ricky and I are eye to eye. I've interviewed him a bazillion times. We're eye to eye. Well, Ricky Henderson squats, right? So how could Ricky Henderson's strike zone be that of a guy who's 5'9? It just isn't. He has a rare, he has a rare batting stance where he gets super low and crouches. So his strike zone really is like. That Pete Rose did that. Pete Rose had the Pete Rose had. A, I mean, so you couldn't give them a strike zone and say, "Well, Ricky Henderson's five ten. All right, I'll go with that. He's five ten. He gets a five ten strike zone." So my point is, not every five ten guy, not every six feet, six three, whatever. Not everybody is the same. All bodies are different. All stance are different. Like John Carlos Stanton, whose straight up weird stance is gonna just cause a guy could be the exact same size, was he like six five? He's a
2: massive human being.
3: Like one a guy who's six five kind of crouches a little bit more. It, well, they're not gonna have the same strike zone. Six six. He's six six. So it's like it's tough to say whether well, well ABS, advanced balls and strikes, powered by Hawkeye. I guess, has made some breakthroughs. And now the technology is able to – Oh, are we out of time here? Uh, Martin's
2: here, but you can finish your thought. I'm just going to say – well, we're going to
3: have to get back. They've now made it to where, because of where they're taking it from a person's hip, that it's basically they can have two balls above your hip would be the top part of your strike zone. So we are getting closer to them being to really accurately every single batter, every single guy having his individual strikes on. We are almost there to where they now want to talk about a challenge system that we have in the minor leagues, but everybody's using ABS. We are not far from a strike is a strike, a ball is a ball. And it's amazing fans say yes players go oh, I don't know I'm not sure about it <laughs> it's crazy you know it's good that you should we can ask Fran about it like he's the one that wouldn't game. you want to wouldn't you want a strike to be a strike and a ball to be a ball black and white world but not everybody wants that other guys would like to live in this world of uh let's still just have umpires call it I'll be pissed all the time but I'm still more comfortable with that maybe we get three challenges a game right you'll see the pitchers challenge it's like weird it's like wait a minute if you have because baseball is different Every single – there's going to be a – there's going to be a pitch. The the game only works with the guy throwing a pitch. So every single pitch is going to get judged. Same thing happens in football. Every snap, there's going to be potential judgment. But there has to be a judgment call on every single pitch, right? It's going to either be strike. It's going to be ball. It's going to be fair. It's going to be foul. In play, there's going to be some type of – that when the ball's in play, you're either going to be out or safe – Every single time the pitcher throws a ball, there's going to be some type of judgment. Fair to say? Yes. And a lot of them are umpires calling balls and strikes. And as we know, certain of certain umpires, we now grade them. We put it on Twitter. Some guys are brutal. And they can be missing 30%, 20%. I mean, these calls matter because every single time it's a bad call against a pitcher or a hitter, you're affecting my stats, which affects my career, which affects how much money I make. I mean, there's a lot of things. Why wouldn't you want, just simple quite like fans for the most part, Jason Stark, the Hall of Fame writer, put it out there on The Athletic, and all basically all the comments were, no-brainer, why wouldn't you do it? If you now truly have the technology, which has just been discovered, like they've now got it to where we can actually give everybody their own strike zone, that's what we've been waiting for, right? Why wouldn't you want it? And players are like, eh, I'm kind of afraid, I'm not sure, I'll dabble with the with with the with the challenge system, but yet you're still going to have players night after night dugouts bitching and complaining, hitters bitching, pitchers bitching. It's like guys, we have a chance to get rid of that.
2: Key Brian Hayes came out today and said he wanted it.
3: How about Ersig the other day was come? I mean, visibly complaining in Texas, and then you go look at MLB.com, and not one was a strike. Yeah. Can you imagine Urseg would have been like wanting to challenge every pitch? Like, bro, you, you're they're not strikes. Martin Gallegos from MLB.com is with us here on A's Cast Live. Are you in Houston?
5: I'm not. I Actually, I came back after this Texas series, so uh, I'm off this series, but I was, I was in Arlington for the last three days. How are you? I'm good. You know, we're getting down to the final stretch here. There's a few weeks left. It's crazy. I mean, it feels like it has been a grind, but now that it's only three weeks left, it feels like it's all gone by pretty fast, but I'm good.
3: Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like this is a historically bad season and we've seen a tremendous amount of bad baseball, but now since we're here and like all of a sudden, like, it's funny, I, I I follow some of these uh, Twitter accounts, Halloween's 50 days away. And you're like, wow, it doesn't seem like it was all that bad after all.
5: Yeah. I mean, I think especially recently, I mean, I mean, there was, you know, the beginning of the season was about as bad as it could get. Right. But I mean, especially here in the last month or so. I mean, we've been seeing some pretty good baseball, even, you know, the losses are still there, but um, they've been pretty competitive. So it's been fun just to kind of see kind of the new, you know, we've all, we've talked about the youth movement for a couple of years now, how we wanted to see it. And we've kind of seen it now with all these young guys coming up. So that's been, a, a, I think, a positive of the season.
3: All right. Two-part question with this uh, ABS calling balls and strikes. There's the media guy. And then, they're in, then there's you. I want you to, if you. Th- what you think the players' answers would be. All right, so number one, for you, would you like to see if this is truly the technology really works, everybody has their own strike zones, strikes a strike, ball's a ball. Would you like to see that in our game?
5: I would, yeah, especially if if the technology is, like, ready, yeah.
3: All right, part two, you go into the clubhouse and ask the players, what answer do you think you get the majority
5: of? I think with this clubhouse, I think majority of them would would like it because a lot of these guys have been down there in the minors, you know, for a lot of this call. this year. I, I was talking to Ryan Nota about it uh, not too long ago when he was uh, down there for his rehab stint. He, he said he loves it. Um, he did say there was still a little bit of things to work out. There, they were they still kind of manipulated a little bit the batters to to uh, you know work their way on on base, especially a guy like him with such a good eye. But um, I think it's it's getting close, and I think all those guys since they've had a, a taste of it um, in the minor leagues. I think they're all used to it. And I think, you know, if, if MLB was to come and say, hey, we're going to implement this, this clubhouse specifically, I think would be all for it. I know around the league there's some more veteran type clubhouses that maybe might be opposed to it, but in Oakland, I think these guys are I think most of them are all for it.
3: That's a great call. Now that I think about it, that's a really good call because what what the future what the future is is these kids get technology and all these guys that would not want it, well, they're gonna be out of the game soon. So you what you're seeing with the A's is the future of baseball. And the future of baseball has now seen it in the minor leagues. They're you know, they're so used to technology now in college baseball and minor league baseball that this is like, yeah, let's let, let's do this. That's a good call. I didn't think about that. So it's like it's almost like we got to we're going to weed out all the, I mean, look at all the people bitched and complained about the clock and now it's not a problem. Right. So we're, we're going to weed all these people out and this next generation is going to be like, bring it on, let's go. And it will not be a problem.
5: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I I got that sense from spring training, like all these, a lot of these young guys, since they've been in the minors, they've, they've kind of dealt with all this. There was a couple of veteran guys who were kind of worried about the, uh, the pitch clock. I know Trevor May was, was a little, you know, worried about that just because, you know, he's been in the league for a long time, but even he's, he's adjusted to it and all these guys, like you said, it's not even an issue anymore with the pitch clock. So I think, you know, all of it is just kind of, you know, getting your, your feet wet with it. And um, eventually, you know, you, you get used to it, the more reps you get. So I think all, all these changes have been a positive so far. So, you know, why not keep them coming?
3: You know, I've I've been trying to come up with a comp for Zach Geloff, and I think I've come up with a pretty good one. I came up with Ryan Sandberg hall of famer. Ryan Sandberg was six, one, he was a bigger second baseman, sure-handed, won all those gold gloves, early in his career could really run. I mean, he had multiple 30 stolen base years. One year I looked at it, he, he stole 54. Obviously, he had power for days. He's one of the greatest power-hitting second baseman of all time. Leadership ability. like There was a lot of great things about Ryan Sandberg. That's the comp I I have because it's like, like, well, who is Zach Geloff like? Because he's not your – your normal second baseman because of his size, but yet super athletic, can run, power to all fields. He's kind of got everything. He's got that it factor. Lawrence Butler told us he's got that it factor. What do you think about that? Comp Hall of Famer Ryan Sandberg.
5: I, that's a, I mean I, I'm sure he'd take that that career in a heartbeat. I mean that's a, that's one of the greatest players of all time, right there. Um, but I mean yeah I, I mean it's definitely special. I mean you, the fact that we're comparing him to these types of great players. I mean just kind of speaks to what he's done. He just played his 50th major league game. And I mean, it's been just remarkable what he's been able to do on a daily basis. It's just the way he impacts the game and, and multiple ways. I think, you know, defensively we've kind of maybe overlooked how, how solid he's been over there. Him and Nick Allen have have formed quite a, a nice little double play combo yeah. there. I um, mean, and he, he, you know, has a lot of range. He's always going after balls. And you, you mentioned the leadership aspect as well. That That's a big part um, here, you know, with this young team, He he's, seems to have just emerged as a natural leader. And it's not like something that he went out and kind of you know was forcing upon himself. Everyone kind of just you know has gone to him and, and all these young guys have kind of looked to him for guidance. And you know, I, I was here when you know when Matt Chapman first came up and you know when we had the Chapman Olsen era and, and Matt Chapman kind of provided a spark. I get kind of similar vibes and in, in the way they kind of go about their business, you know, they just are always working. No matter what, you know, pregame, postgame, they're they're always moving around doing something. They're never, you know, in one spot for too long, just kind of lounging around. They're always, you know, focused on, on the day and, and focused on getting better each day. And um, I think that's part of why we've seen him have so much success up here is he's always, you know, constantly working and he believes in himself. And um, just all the things you want in a young player to be 23 years old and and be this good. I mean, katsai said it the other day, if he would have been up here from day one. He'd probably be, you know, in serious, you know, rookie of the year consideration right now.
3: Yeah. Don't even get me started on that one. <laughs> what we should have saw at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Oh, I oh. got, got, to get Jesus Aguilar sign and let him play. <laughs> uh, and speaking of that, I recently went off in a post game show. It was the game that uh, Ryan Nota was playing right field and Jonah bride was playing first and, and, Geloff lets the ball drop, picks it up, goes to throw. They're going to turn some type of maybe potential fancy double play. And Jonah Bride not being a first baseman is like, what? What's going on? And that – I went off on that because later in the game there was a great double play between what we're looking at right now with Allen, Geloff, and Noda, and I'm like, that's why these three should play every game if they're ready to go that day. They should play every single game. Reminds me, we used to put Matt Olson in right field in the minor leagues was the dumbest things you've ever seen. When he's a premier first baseman, I mean, let these kids play together. This is such valuable time. What do you think about saying, you know what? Any experiments? Let's wait till spring. Let's see, Allen, Geloff, Noda. I would like to see Jordan Diaz at third. I understand there's problems with playing time and stuff, but I would like to see consistency the rest of the way with these young players. Cause I don't know about you, Martin, but I've noticed we're turning a lot more double plays these days. There's a lot more continuity in the infield.
5: Yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely important getting them in there consistently playing together. Um that's only going to help them, you know, for the long term. And and that yeah, this especially the series in Texas, they had a few double plays and it's just it looks so fluid, you know, when, when, whether it's hit to, you know, Nick Allen and he starts to, you know, six, four, three or gel starting a four, six, three they're really fluid. And it's, it's, you know, it's come a long way from earlier in the season when we had, you know, you know, Tony Kemp at second and, and let Diaz at short. And, you know, they were trying to, you know, didn't really hadn't played with each other in those spots. And it just never really looked, you know, fluid, but with these guys, you know, they're, they're so athletic and so quick. They get to so many balls that, um, they're impacting the game on defense, and they—they're you know they're they're saving runs by doing that. All all three of those guys, Allen, Noda, and and Geloff, they're plus defenders, and they're they're showing off you know some pretty good range, some pretty good instincts over there. And um, I think it's important to build that continuity here. These final three weeks of the season, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't you know be playing every day there at those spots.
3: You know, it's going to be hard to sell you on Langelier's 204 average, so I'm not going to try and do that. But he does have 17 home runs. He's thrown the heck out of the baseball this year. It's been really tough with the eight bazillion pitchers he's had to catch and learn and figure out. If he does get to this 20 home run mark, how will you look back at his season?
5: I think I'll look at it, definitely. the The second half is, is where he turned it around. Mainly these last this last month and a half or so, the power is, has shown up. And um, the way he's handled this pitching staff, I mean, every pitcher that we talked to has, you know, Really complimentary, just about how he handles them and uh, how he calls a game. Obviously, we all know about the arm that he has and the, the amount of runners that he's he's thrown out. And I think, I mean, it's hard because we had such high expectations coming in. Obviously, they traded away Sean Murphy, and that's a huge signal that this guy's ready to take over. But I mean, it is his first full year in the major leagues, and I think we have to kind of real, remember that and and keep in mind that you know, as as highly touted as he was, there still is kind of that that learning process that he has to go through. Um, we saw with Sean Murphy, I mean, his first couple of years offensively weren't, you know, too great. Obviously this year in, in Atlanta, he went off and he seems to figure it out and he was an all-star obviously, but we saw a couple of years where, you know, flashes of power, kind of like we see with Langliers here, but maybe the overall consistency at the plate wasn't there. He was striking out a lot and the the batting average was pretty low, maybe not as low as 204, but it wasn't, you know, it was in the low 200s for sure. And um, he seems to have figured it out this year. Murphy has. And I think with Langliers, it, it's going to take some time, but I mean, he's, he's, got such a, a great, uh you know, power in his bat and just overall hitting skills. Um, the tools are there. I mean, every time he hits a ball, especially it seems like each each home run that he's hit his last seven or so have been just absolute bombs, like over <laughs> 400 feet. So he's got he's got a ton of power. And I think, um, you know, consistency is something that comes with, with a little bit more reps. You know, he's gone through his growing pains this year. But I think overall I'm going to look back at it as, you know, the first half started out pretty rough, but he kept with it. And he's been durable, which is important as well for a catcher. And, you know, now he's starting to kind of figure out the plate, it seems like. But, yeah, definitely he prioritizes catching and defense and getting all these pitchers. And, I mean, the A's have had to use, like, what, 22 different starting pitchers. And I think they've set a record for most pitchers. So he's had to go into those, uh, you know, scouting reports with guys a lot kind of blind at times because, you know, they're calling up guys who he's never worked with before. And he's got to kind of, you know, acclimate to them before worrying about maybe the hitting stuff.
3: All right. So speaking of pitching, I, I'm all about selling everything, right? And I want positivity in a year where you're looking at 44 and 99 I'm looking for all the positivity I can get. And Mason Miller is amazing. When he is out there, he is amazing. But the problem is people, like, call up to the post game show and they say, you know, this guy, what he can be, and, oh, my God, this shows the future and everything. And I just go, eh. he's got 62 and two-thirds professional innings. Sixty-two and two-thirds. I, I just I I want to love him. I do. I want to put my arms around him. I want to love him. I want to think, oh, you're going to build a staff around this guy. Help me out here. Well, how how do I get all in on Mason Miller? Because in the back of my mind, I'm I'm, I'm always thinking this guy's a ticking time bomb.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's uh, you know it's natural to feel that way, and I think. You know the A's sort of feel that way with you know the way they're going to use him the last this last month they're not going to let him go probably past 50 pitches in in any of his outings and uh, you know being really careful with his workload and I mean it's tough you know when a guy's throwing 102 101 consistently you always worry about his arm and and obviously the UCL thing was a scare and the fact that he was able to come back four months later is is really to me it was shocking I I didn't think he was going to come I don't think we were going to see him at all this year. After we heard it was a UCL, I thought for sure they were going to be really careful with him. Um, but he he wanted to come back. He was working hard to come back, and he got back. But yeah, I mean th- that that concern is always going to be there, and you're always going to worry: is this the day where you know the arm you know kind of falls off and and he has to have surgery or something? I wonder if long term he he you know if he if the injuries do prop up which obviously we hope doesn't doesn't happen. Uh, but if he does get injured again, I wonder if they start to maybe consider you know can this guy be like a closer and just let him go one inning or. Maybe maybe two inning guy at times and just let him go all out where you can kind of control it a little bit more. But um, there is that concern with there. And, and until he kind of proves us wrong with that or prove us wrong about that theory, um, it's always going to be in the back of our minds, but man, it's, it's so fun to watch him every time he goes out there. I, I look forward to every time he, he pitches, cause it's just something else. It's different. It's a different electricity with him out there.
3: Yeah. I mean, you, you want to think it's going to be here for a long time. You just don't know. One guy though, who I do want to really celebrate. And 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 it's just where we are in baseball. It's JP Sears. JP Sears is going to pitch a full season. He's going to give you 30 or more starts. Just talk about what that means for this staff.
5: Yeah, you know, he had a goal in spring training, you know, I remember going up to him, you know, he his on top of the list, first thing he said was I want to make 30 starts. You know, I want to I want to be there every every fifth day for this team and He's been that one guy, you know. They've they've had so many guys, you know, injured and then guys move to the bullpen and come back. But he's been that one constant. He got out to a really good start, um, has hit a little bit of a wall recently more, and has been a little up and down. But the, the important thing is he goes out there and he gives it his all every fifth day, and and he finds a way to kind of grind through, you know, five innings even when he doesn't have his best stuff at times. And um, I think this is all, you know, he's never pitched even close to this many innings in his career, so he's going to blow past that. All these guys are really, but especially Sears because he's never been on this type of workload. But for a guy who started out in spring training, we didn't even know if he was going to make the rotation. There was a good chance he was going to start the year in the bullpen, but then they had those injuries to Rusinski and, and Blackburn, and he kind of uh, earned his way onto the rotation. But he was a guy, even even with the Yankees, who was kind of a, a you know hybrid guy who would pitch relief some. But this year, I mean, he's he's gone out there and proven that he's a major league starter. You know, whether it's a, a back end of the rotation or whatever. Um he's a guy who you can count on every fifth day He's gonna go out there and 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 give you a decent chance uh to, to stay in the game and maybe win it but um you know the stuff isn't flashy but he he gets you know he gets you know the home run has been an issue for him this year but um you know overall he goes out there and he, he battles and that, that's something that I think mark Kotze always you know preaches going out there and being competitive uh with whatever you have on a given night
3: you know mark Katsay this has been a rough two years and I know he's signed up for it, but I know it hasn't been easy for him. We get a chance to talk to him every single week. One one of the interviews I did, I said, "You know, everybody's always asking you about everybody else. I want to ask you about you. How are you doing?" And he kind of like sat back and was like, "You know, it's interesting you ask me that. Cuz a lot of we don't ask him about him very often. We're always, what about this player? What about this? What about I mean, how do you think he's holding up? Because Mark Hatze is not doing this because he needs the money.
5: Yeah, I mean it's been rough. I mean we've seen the results, and it's tough for him because you know he has to you know deal with this kind of nonstop. You know the players can go home and, and kind of you know go to sleep and and not think about things for the next day, but he has to you know stay up all night, kind of second guessing himself at times of did he make this right move you know wins are already limited as it is so when they have a chance to win and and if he feels like he didn't make the right move in a given situation or didn't play the right guy at the right time he kind of blames that on him and, and kind of has to take the fall for that so it's been rough for him but um you know he's done a great job in terms of just keeping these guys motivated and going every day i know they're major leaguers and you know they should show up every day motivated but i mean it's easier said than done when you go through 200 lost seasons like they're you know on the verge of and he's not once have I seen this team, you know, show up and kind of be lackadaisical. They show up ready to work every day, regardless of what the what the record has been. Um, they're they're coming in there and, and feeling like they have a chance to win that day. And I think it kind of speaks volumes. Every guy in that clubhouse you talk about loves, loves say And um, they think he's done a great job with them. Um, and it's been you know, he was dealt the hand that he was dealt. You know, it was difficult, you know, first day on the job. Basically, they traded away all the guys from the last run. And he's kind of had to piece together, you know, these teams over the past couple of years, but um, he does a good job with this young team. I think he's been a great uh, resource for them as well, being, you know, kind of an influence on the younger outfielders like Lawrence Butler and Asterio Ruiz, especially helping them out in center field. And the one thing I, I noticed is he, he's, he, you know, really gets along with all these, and he makes it a point to go to all these guys, whether it's, you know, the Latin guys, the young guys, the the older guys on the team, kind of builds a rapport with all of them. And I see him pregame just going around the field with his, you know, fungo bat and just talking to everybody. And um, he does a good job of staying in communication with everyone and, and just making sure that everyone knows what their duty is on a given day. So he's been, I think he's been a, done a remarkable job with, with what he was given for sure.
3: All right. We're going to end on this and I'm going to ask you throughout the off season, because we'll talk to you during the off season. We'll see you at the winter meetings, but as of right now, what's the one thing is that us or you all right what is the one thing you're most excited about with this franchise going into the offseason
5: well uh, we start with Zach Geloff obviously what he's done this year but really just kind of the core of, of young guys um that are getting their feet wet here um whether it's you know Geloff Butler um Soderstrom obviously Mason Miller Um, these guys are getting valuable experience, especially in this stretch right here that they're playing that the Rangers and the Astros and they got the Mariners coming up, um, uh, against playoff contending teams, you know, they're, they're excited. These guys are excited when they go into like, when they went to Seattle, you know, not too long ago and and it was a playoff like atmosphere, the stands were full. Um, they, they loved being in that atmosphere And, and, you know, Lawrence Butler talked about how just fun it was. And that was his favorite, um, uh, series as a big leaguer so far is like 40,000 people every night. He obviously hit that bomb that one day, I think it was the last game of the series and um, he kind of soaked it all in and all these guys have been soaking it all in. So they're getting this valuable experience. Then going into next year, I mean, there's even more guys who are knocking on the door, a guy like Daryl Hernia is a triple a Joey Estes. These guys are close as well. Denzel Clark. Um, we're kind of seeing these guys who have been talked about the past couple of spring trainings is, you know, these guys are going to be the future. Just wait until they come up we're seeing them come up and, and they're, you know, having some success, you know, uh, Soderstrom has been struggling a little bit, um, but he did hit a, hit a homer the other day in Texas. And he kind of has had, uh, you know, to work on, you know, his confidence level, obviously dealing with struggles really as a hitter for the first time and um, his whole and profe- his whole baseball career, really. Um, but all these guys are getting their feet wet. And I think that that gives me, if I'm an ace fan, you know, I'm excited for next year because these guys are kind of getting that experience and, maybe they can hit the ground running next year with maybe even even more young guys on the way if they can play the way onto this team out of spring training.
3: All right, buddy. Be well. We'll talk to you soon.
5: All right, Tony. Sounds good. See you.
3: Martin Gallegos, MLB.com, does a great job covering the Oakland Athletics. and And I think, no question, it would be fair of you to say, how could you even ask about whether – you could be excited about going into the offseason when you are forty-four and ninety-nine. Can you turn me up a lot? You know what I I think I figured it out, Cody. See right there? Yeah, I'm good. But when we have the guest, he's super loud. They're super loud in my ears. And my ears are starting to get sensitive as I get older. That makes sense. Years of wearing headphones, I think, is not wearing well on my ears. Well see right now we sound normal. The guests sound like they're
2: blaring to he was a little hot, so I turned him down a little bit and he kind of leveled out a little bit. That's that that was something. But to- it happens to me though.
3: It's just it's me. Uh, I think it's fair. I think you could say as an Ace fan, what the hell are you talking about? Let me explain myself. Can I explain myself to not look like a total homer? Which I'm not trying to be. I'm trying to be consistent, because I said this a while ago. I had criticism of the franchise for signing a bunch of blah veteran guys falling back on their old see they used to be able to do it 90 million now they didn't have 90 million and i've kind of explained if you followed ace baseball over the years how they would do things right it was a ton of movement Guys in and out and in and out and a little money being exchanged here and there and minor league free agents, and this guy had to be called up by this point or he'd be a free agent. So let's now call up Brandon Moss before we lose. You know, constantly, here's a Kia Kiahue. it were just constantly moving pieces, moving pieces and trades. And not a whole lot of, look at our great draft picks, right? The A's weren't built on that. We were built on movement and deals and, oh, my God. Scott Casimir, and I mean, just you know, diamonds in the rough and getting other people's teams. Because the one thing the A's were good at were looking at other people's players and finding other people's players and bringing them in. So you can do that when you're using around 90 to 100 million. There can be movement and money's exchanged, and sometimes you're paying a little bit, or sometimes they're paying you a little bit. But all of a sudden, when that's cut off, and now you got to rely on what you got in the minor league system. Boy, you get exposed fast. Like, where's all the draft picks? Where's all these guys you've been training? Where's your mind of leagues? And what? why do you have to go out and sign Jace Peterson? Why do you got to get Ole Diaz and Jesus Aguilar and Drew Rusinski and these guys? But I think now past that. What excites me going into next year, and I said this, if you let the young guys play, At some point, they will get better, and you'll win more games. Stop with the hodgepodge garbage. Let the young guys develop and play together. They're going to get their butts kicked. That's fine. It's human nature to fail before you succeed. Some of us see any failure you want to shut people down because you're afraid of failure. Not me. J.P. Sears is struggling. Should have out in August. Would that have been a good move now?
2: No, but Martin said he was hitting a wall. That's what I saw. He said no, he was hitting a wall. He is- so what?
3: Hit a wall. It's professional sports. Do you still show up to work when you hit a wall? Yeah. No, we, we don't shut you down. Oh, Cody's not feeling good. You can take the next two months off. No, well- you got to go to work. You got to learn to be able to play when you don't feel 100% you got to learn how to still be a husband, a wife, a father, a mother. you still got to live life when you're not 100%. And for some reason, you guys don't believe in that. It's like, what, what? Are you telling me come week three in the NFL, everybody's feeling skipping into work every day? This is great. The whole team would be out on Sundays. What, what sport would you watch on Sunday if guys didn't hit walls in the NFL? What? Who would play? Fair point. That's not true. (laughs) I mean, you're beat up after training camp. We would have no teams. I mean, Steph Curry couldn't even play a season if that was the case. So, it's great. Look, I mean, J.P. Sears is going to grow as a person, as an athlete. The accomplishment of 30 starts, it's going to be great for him. So, stop shutting everybody down. Stop... Stop worrying about, oh, my God, he's failing. Tyler Soderstrom's failing for the first time in his life. Oh, my God. What do we do? What do we do? Shut him down. Send him down.
2: No. No. Let him compete. He should have sat up here the whole time.
3: Grow up. Compete. Learn. And if you can't, then you'll be gone. I mean, that's just how it works. you got to learn to adapt and get better. And that's all of life. That's all of life. We've all struggled. It's okay to struggle. And that's why I want to be consistent and say, let these young guys play together because they'll start playing better together and they'll start winning. And we have seen that. Defense looks better. Some of these guys are blossoming offensively. Noda's still sporting over an 800 OPS. Geloff is a monster. Let Law play. He's not in the lineup today. Like, what? What are we doing? Cause I gotta see Brent Rooker strike out more. Brent Rooker since May well First. Did we or is it second? Do we have a game on May first or was that a day off? Let me double check. We looked at this Since the start of May, Brent Rooker has struck out like a hundred and thirty something times. It's crazy. Is Tony Kemp in the lineup today hitting two fourteen? Uh, no. No.
2: It's a lefty on the mound.
3: I mean, May, seriously, yeah. that I don't care who's on the mound. Let the young guys play. I mean, Kevin Smith, we haven't seen enough to know what Kevin Smith is?
2: Since May 2nd, uh, Brunt Rooker has struck out 134 times in 340 at bats. What's
3: the average? 218. 218 and 137 strikeouts. Let the young guys play. Let them figure it out. It's a dilemma, but, I mean – is our, or, is our organization getting better with the Letmus Diaz in left field? I'm going to lean towards no. No, I mean everybody owns that. And, and batting third, let R- the young ready lefty. But that's what gives me excitement about next year. Is that I'm hoping this stuff's gone and now we just go. Hey, if you're gonna if you're going to spend some money, go spend it on pitching. Oh, you yes. need arms. Yeah, go get arms. Flood, flood out all your money into arms. Get me guys that can give me some innings and some starts, and some guys that can pitch in the bullpen and get outs. Let all these young guys play. Hernandez, I don't know—is he a shortstop? Is he third be- I don't know. Let's see what he's got. Brett Harris—he's that good. Let's see what he's got. Jordan Diaz—you better figure it out. People are coming. Law—you're playing every day in the outfield. Ruiz ruiz got to play. He's got a skill set that's incredible. You've got to coach him. You've got to make him better. Ruiz, by the way, has still – this is going to be part of my uh, – brought to you by uh, Cal State Hayward. Stat of the day. Cal State East Bay. Stat of the day. I am about to say Cal State Hayward. I played it- – when I played them, they were Hayward. Cal State East Bay, stat of the day. Ruiz has stolen four of his five career – Ruiz has stolen a base in four of his five career games against Houston. Five total, zero caught stealing. That's pretty good.
2: He's, uh, if you do the math, he's at 58 on the year, steals. He is on pace for 66, which would tie him with Kenny Lofton for the American League rookie record, which he set in 1992 for the then Cleveland Indians. So, S.C. needs to play more and uh, get. On. I mean, he tried to steal base. they got thrown out. He does not going to throw out that much. It was close, but I mean, it was a clear. It was. It was a nice throw by Jonah Heim. but he's really close. That's a, that's another milestone. Another great thing you could see for a young player on the A team. We've seen what Geloff's done in, in August, and he's still hitting even better in September. So, let keep letting these guys play.
3: Remember when Galoff was two for twenty? Oh, and people are like, "Well, now he's starting to hit." It. People already were worried when Geloff was two for twenty. This is a game of failure. You have to understand you're going to fail. People were starting to panic when Geloff was 2 for 20. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Now they figured him out.
2: I think he's hitting 3. He's hitting
3: 273 right now. I think he's
2: hitting 316 in September, if I'm not mistaken.
3: I'm, okay, I'm not, I'll tell you right now what he's hitting.
2: I was looking at some of these last the five night. extra base hits. I,
3: I, 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 I'm, I'm having a hard time stomaching playing players. Who have negative wars. I mean, that's kind of something we can all agree upon, right? Negative wars, not good. He's hitting 316 yeah. in September. Five extra he hit hits. Hit 286 in August. In July, he hit 218. Okay, he struggled, but you know what? So what? Let him struggle. God, this whole thing that we can't allow anyone to it, struggle
2: is ridiculous. It's in the notes, too, but it's pretty crazy. He has the third highest war already on the team.
3: Well, we're playing guys who have a negative war. Uh, correct. We're giving guys lots. I said this yesterday in the postgame show. I'll stand by it. There are decisions that get made with every team down the stretch, bad teams, that are just like, what are you doing? And then everybody gets the pass in the off season because we move forward. You know, as I always say, your windshield is bigger than your rear view mirror. Why? Because you're always looking ahead. Your future is more important than your past. Got that from the great Dick Callahan. Where's my Dick Callahan mug? Uh, it's over here. Get DC up here. He hosts uh, Nolan Ryan. Oh, that's why we took it down with the rain. Dick Callahan, one of the greatest human beings of all time. Dick Callahan said to me, Townie, there's a reason why your windshield is bigger than your rearview mirror because your your future is more important than your past. So we'll forget about this. We'll forget about... Next year, we'll get to spring training and everything. But a question should be next year, hey, remember last year you're playing – you're giving substantial at-bats to guys with negative wars.
2: We did. I did the numbers. There's only one guy that has more at-bats than a guy, than some of the guys with the lower wars on our team. One guy. Name him. Tim Anderson. Ooh. And they're paying him a lot of money. That's well, not a lot. It's like 15 – Well, there
3: eight. was a guy, but I had to tell you he's not apples to apples because – one guy who's gotten a lot of at-bats and was terrible, but he got kicked to the curb. His name's Jerickson Profar. Even the Rockies went, enough. Padres have picked him up, by the way. <laughs> Remind me to get to the notes, Dodgers Padres.
2: We haven't even got to some of the best stuff. We haven't got to George Kirby yet or the Mike Trout rumors. I've heard you be all over the George Kirby thing. We saw that on Friday. Well, because you're NBC. just going to call me old man River, and there's just not – people don't – No, there's a lot of people that that didn't like what he said. So let me just finish with this.
3: I like the idea. I think for me, what I'm excited about going into the offseason is we now kind of trust our young players are going to be able to play. They're going to be able to play and compete. They're just going to get better. Young players, if they're legit, the more they play, they more the more they start to figure it out. They will be able to compete, and we won't see this. You'll see a more competitive team, a more compelling team, and all of a sudden you're going to be like, "Damn, they can win some games." That's to me what's exciting, and you're going to have just a boatload. Of, you're going to have a boatload of arms heading into the offseason. You're going to have you're going to acquire more. You've got to go get more, but you're going to have a ton of guys who are, can compete, and hopefully those guys we'll be able to figure out and get some outs because that's still the dilemma. Yeah, the whole Kirby thing. Um, yeah, a lot of people have even following baseball. The fact that he had 90 pitches, goes into the seventh, gives it up, and then
2: after the game. I have the audio me to play it. Go ahead. Here's George Kirby after his start on Friday.
5: I didn't execute. He had a good pitch.
3: Um... I wish I wasn't out there for the seventh, to be honest. So I was at 90 pitches, and I didn't, I didn't think I needed to go anymore, but, you know, it is what it is, so. Is that a conversation in the dugout, or is it? It'll
4: be a conversation soon, yeah.
2: Mariners pitcher, George Kirby. all-star pitcher, George Kirby.
3: That'll be That'll be a
2: stain for a while. He did come out and apologize the next day. It doesn't matter. He got ripped by a lot of people. It
3: doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It is a – it's shame on him. First of all, that's not something you should say to the media. And he's not a rookie. I know we don't train these guys to talk to the media, but he should have never said that. That is something that if you felt, I'm gassed – I shouldn't have pitched anymore. That's something that should be handled inside amongst the family. It should be handled with the pitching coach. should be handled with the manager. But it made you look gutless. And unfortunately, it's where our sport is. Our sport is gutless. We're training gutless people to be professional baseball players. Or we're training guys who probably weren't gutless into being gutless. And it's sad. 90 pitches? You realize, for all of us high school baseball players and all of us pitchers, we always pitch the entire game the day you pitched because you just dominated and you no one ever came in relief. You 90 pitches is not a lot. 90 pitches is not a lot. These guys in college, if you're the Friday, Saturday guy, for sure, you pitch more. 90 pitches is not a
2: lot of work. Oh, the kid from Stanford just got drafted. Quinn uh, Quinn Matthews threw 156 pitches in a complete okay, game. Okay, that's but you're, you're, that's that's bad though. You're, you're going to an extreme.
3: We're talking 90 pitches. That's that nine. You haven't even hit a hundred yet, and you're asking out. You're tap out. You're talking tap out. We're training guys, and, and just for entertainment purposes. The more we hear this, the more we hear J.P. Sears should be shut down because he looks like he's at the wall. Kirby doesn't want to go out to the seventh. We need you to pitch. Get some outs. I, 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 I'm I, 90. I'm out. Tap out. This is really bad. Is this good for the sport? I mean, where is this good for the sport to where we're looking at Mason Miller? We, We're going to like he's going to pitch like 40 pitches because we don't know how to keep him healthy. Like we have no proof that him only throwing 40 is going to keep him healthy. There's no scientific proof or number of pitches, whether he throws one or one Oh one, which is going to keep him healthy. We do know this. If he doesn't pitch at all, he won't get hurt. True. Yes. I'm not a doctor and I can figure that one out. So where, where are like, what are we doing? We're, we're, we're training guys to not have volume. We're training guys to be in the world where everything is just trying to strike everybody out for a short period of time, and then we bring in everybody else. But now we've realized that's failing us because we go back to the 4,374 outs you got to get in a season. We don't have enough guys. We burn out our bullpens. We don't have enough pitchers. we got problems. And it's not entertaining. Star players are the guys that sell tickets. Star players get ratings. Star players make you interested. Not random ass bullpen guy. Here's the manager coming to the bullpen again for the fourth, fifth time in the game. We're losing this aspect of the guy that has the ball as a star. We're losing that. And when you're telling when you're telling the world, I don't think I should have got. In September, when these games, you're battling. It's not like he's on the Royals or the A's or the Tigers. No offense to those franchises, including ours. But it's not like you're a guy pitching for nothing. Every game you got matters. Every single game, the Mariners are in a dogfight. They have just lost ground. They're two and a half back of the Astros in the West. Remember, they were just in first place. And you get to the wild card. They're barely hanging on by a half game over Texas couple more losses in Seattle's out of the postseason, and you're complaining about pitching 90 pitches? Guys have to learn how to compete when you don't have your best. You don't, hey, I may not have my best fastball. Well, go get people out. You still got to get people out. You still got to play. And it's really, we, we're we training people to be gutless. We're training them to only pitch and to only be able to go when you feel 100% and you can strike everybody out. Who was a kid that got, who was a kid that just pitched uh, Funky? He's one of their top prospects for the Tigers. Just pitched, was it last night or the night before? He wasn't blowing Ched, but his ball was going all over the place. But that's a guy I want. That's what, I mean, the guy that the Dodgers got going, Dodgers are debuting a kid tonight, Gavin Stone. Yeah. He's their fifth, uh, fifth best prospect. Gavin Stone, guess uh, guess what? He only throws mid-90s with slider change, and his change is his best pitch. Like, not everybody has to be 102 and ready to blow their UCL out to be somebody who can be competitive. And that's... I mean, this is... this is I mean, Houston Street, our own Houston Street, went down
2: his street pretty hard. Wasn't like, just him. Clemens, there's a lot uh, of those guys. Those are
3: the older guys. Houston Street, it, it was interesting... Do you have the Houston Street one? That was really telling because obviously Clemens comes from an era where you were looking to complete games. and But Houston Street was like, this is a stain on you for your career. And I know Ryan, Ryan Divish, our guy who covers is he the Seattle Times. Yeah. He covers the Mariners. We love him. Does a great job covering him, and he's funny as hell. And he was sticking up for him. And I get, I get it. People are going to say really good kid, sticking up for him. But it's a stain. It's a stain on our game. It's like, like, once again, why is football continuing to be king? Why? It's entertaining. It's gladiators. It's gladiators. We're not teaching gladiators. And our man pitching ninja is a part of the problem. Pitching ninja's up there, this is the crazy, it's 102, da-da-da-da-da-da. If the Pitching Ninja was highlighting, hey, this is a guy that didn't break 95 and threw seven innings and only gave up two runs and kept his team in the game. But we don't highlight that guy anymore. We want to highlight, we just want to highlight certain pitches of guys throwing super hard and looking at the data of how the pitch goes versus can this guy help me win games every five days. Hell, we don't even want to talk every five days. We're talking every six days. San Francisco Giants are about to go through a season with two starters.
2: What the hell is going on? Read Houston Street. I'll read uh, Jared Weaver's after, too. Jared Weaver went in. He's not an old school guy either. But here's what uh, Houston Street tweeted. Dear George, this was the moment every GM decided you are not worth the risk because you aren't willing to risk yourself for your team. When you look back on your career and wonder why it was at best above average, don't try and figure it out because you have no clue what it takes. Sincerely. The big leagues. What i say to you if I was your coach or teammate?
3: I, one part of that I don't disagree. I, one part, I put that back up. One, one part I drastically disagree with Houston Street. You want to know what it is? Take a guess. What you just read there, what would I totally disagree with? Um, he has no clue what it takes. First line, this is the moment oh. every GM decided you're not worth the risk. No GM's Houston created this. They created this. David Force said on this show, basically called me a dinosaur. What did he say? Get over it? About yeah. innings? Yeah. They've created this. This is their model. If they wanted pitchers to go deep in games, they would train the pitchers to do that. We were just at San Jose Giants Stockton Ports. Our Stockton Port guy, I was willing to call him up by the way, I went. I was scouting cousins. With, you uh, were drinking beer. Cousins I was with Cookie scouting. Carrasco,
2: too. Huh? He, his cousin's uh, Carlos Carrasco. So he what was the kid's name again? Uh, last name's, I forget his last name was Carrasco. Though I forget his first name.
3: Through what six innings? Yeah, I was ready to call him up. 92-93, A little bit wild. Few too many <laughs> sliders in the dirt. But I was like, hey, this kid. This kid's got stamina.
2: We or, could use him right now. We're in the in the in the Cal League in Low A, guys don't go past like three innings normally. What
3: happened with the San Jose Giant pitcher? He was gone. I couldn't believe it. Three innings, gone. Gone. Where'd he go? Gone. So GMs, they've caused this. It's almost like we need a reset of these front offices. It's like we need a reset. Like they've gone down this path that they can't get out of.
2: Well, this is according to Bob Nightingale in his piece. I think it was from today or yesterday. But he says in there, baseball executives and scouts also privately revealed their disgust towards George Kirby.
3: How? All their Uh, pitchers do the same.
2: The only thing I can think of is like a guy like, well, I can't even say Brian Cashman. My guy's been there forever because Cashman, his guys, they're a big analytics organization. Uh, And they're about to hit the reset button themselves. Here's what Jared Weaver said. This is why I'll never never do any kind of coaching in the big leagues, to be honest. I shouldn't have – I shouldn't have been out there. I threw 90 pitches. What the expletive. Embarrassing. Truly embarrassing.
3: Okay. What? The only way we can look at this, because baseball people will defend this. Like, the trolls on Twitter will defend this. Right? Because literally the fantasy day – I think the the analytics crowd is also the fantasy crowd, and you don't care about wins. You really don't care about wins. You care about how does – you strikeouts are great fantasy points. That's why there is the belief that all you care about – the more you strike out, the better pitcher you are. You want strikeouts. Eno Saris came clean. I'm like, you'd rather have a guy who strikes out more guys, that K versus walk percentage, than a guy that has a better ERA? Yep. Because that's the predictor, right? It's a predictor. You know, because everybody in your anybody in the true numbers world, you think the expected stats matter because you think it's a predictor. If I strike out a lot of guys, I'm going to be a better pitcher. And you're like, well, wait a minute. This other guy in like real life has a better ERA. Like Justin Steele. It's like Spencer Strider is like the god now, but yet guys have like a way better ERA, which means they give up less runs. So aren't you a better pitcher if you give up less runs? The answer was no. Strider strikes out a lot of guys, therefore he is a better pitcher because long-term that will be better. In theory, expected record, expected batting average. That's why people bring that up. It's garbage. You are what your record says you are. Or we can go to the Padres expect. Can I get the Padres expected? Yeah, hold on. Running out of time here, the Padres expected uh, record? Hold on, let me pull it up. For you analytics people, what is the uh,
2: Padres? I mean, look at the run differential. Their expected record is? The San Diego Padres right now are currently 67-77. and 77, But if you look at their run differential plus 61, their expected win-loss is 78-66. and 66. They would be number two in the division. (laughs) Actually, hold on. They'd be be number two in division, (laughs) three in baseball with that record. Only in our sport. Oh, we're like, we're the only, you wonder why
3: football and basketball have passed us by? Because this is what we're selling.
2: Well, here's a good one. Marlins are 74 and 69, but they're expected win loss because of run differentials 67 and 76, so they're way better than they should be. What would happen
3: if a quarterback took himself out? Because he's like, you know what, I I enough throws, I'm tired.
2: What would happen? I don't think that probably has never happened, I would assume. I'm out. I'm tired of getting hit. Mac Jones threw the ball fifty-four times to the Patriots yesterday. <laughs> I, I'm tired of getting hit. My arm's a little sore. It's Week One. I
3: got a little. Eh, I'm out. What would happen? Well, baseball people, like literally Mariner people, are defending this. Like they are defending it. What would happen in the NFL if a quarterback went? I'm tired. Ty- like it sucks to get hit. I played quarterback. Not in the NFL. It sucks getting hit all game. Like at what point, I, I'm done. I'm done getting hit. These guys, the Cowboys, are beating the crap out of me. I am done. My shoulder still hurts a little bit from training camp. My left shoulder now hurts. I got bruised rib. Guy hit me. I sprained my ankle. Ah, fourth quarter, I'm out of here. I don't want to do this anymore. What
2: would they say? And that is a violent game where people yeah. really, really get hurt. It would lead every, uh, every talk show in the morning that people don't watch on television. I mean, it's insane.
3: Sure. What what if what if coming down the stretch, Warriors are battling, and Steph's just like, you know, I was playing golf, my back kind of hurts. Oh, I, I really I really can't go. And my ankle hurts again. Other gonna
2: say he can't play because he put up too many. He took too many shots. I'm done. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I've been shooting a lot this game. It's fourth quarter. I eh, can I come out? I mean, people are defend. There are some people defending this. I didn't want to go into it because I don't want to get into the old man river thing. 90 pitches. 90 pitches is nothing. It's nothing. They're high stress pitches. Shut up. Come on. Do you want to play or not? Do you want to be great or not? Do you want the challenge or not?
2: Prior to that start too, he only had three innings pitched since like August 23rd. It's not like he was. Throwing. Are you
3: hurt? No. Then why? Then go out and compete. It's like when all these people want Shohei Otani to shut it down. He should just shut it down. What does he have left to prove? Well, you just want him to show up and eat sunflower seeds and watch the rest of the season? He can still hit. Why wouldn't he want to play? He's having a great year offensively. Why wouldn't show – it? we are the only sport that wants to figure out how to not play people. The NBA has had this problem, too, with the –
2: with sitting people. oh, we got to uh, rest. Nope, that's changing. They're they're actually voting on it where you can have a guy two guys can't sit out on nationally televised. Like the games
3: NBA's out. trying to figure out. Wait, we can't do this, guys. They're going to fix the
2: sport. I saw. I meant to send you this morning. Uh, it was woads and shams. They had it tonight today that they're going to like work on the uh, load management. Finally, finally, after all these, Greg Popovich started. It was actually kind of smart with Duncan and all those guys. But then it just took over the sport. Let's find out a way to not have players play. Then when are they going to play?
3: Well, we're saving him. Saving him for what? The way you saved Degrom and Scherzer and Chris Bassett for the playoffs last year—how'd that work out? You had all three healthy. How'd it work out? And, uh, you lost. You lost. So you saved them
2: and lost. So it's just like I don't I, that 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 it. Well, you, you know the you know the Angels are doing this already. They're saving Anthony Rendon. No, 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 no. <laughs>
3: That's I. That's one of the reasons why I used to not be. I was anti Shohei Otani not cuz I'm against him the person. I was against this he's gonna pitch, but he doesn't pitch every 5 days and then he can't hit the day before, he can't hit the day after. It's like what are you doing? How much volume going to get out of this guy? And I got criticized for that, but I was I was like I don't see it. Like you can unicorn me all you want, but if I don't get that much production out of the guy, what what use is he? You're not you, you are not a useful player if you don't play. I'm not, this is not rocket science here. You don't play, you don't put up numbers. But Otani finally said to them, stop. I want to play. I want to play every day, and I want to play when I hit, and I want to play. And even now with a bum elbow, he wants to play. He wanted to play in the WBC. He wants the challenge. That's what greatness is. I want it. Unfortunately, his elbow can't. But you know what? He said, fine, I'm still going to hit because he's a gamer. This kind of stuff gets him to the Baseball Hall of Fame. he I don't know what kind of numbers he's going to put up long term. He will be in the Baseball Hall of Fame because people like me are going to sit here and say, you know what, that guy's badass. He's here for the fight. Whether his arm was hurt or not, you know, because what we're going to end up saying is, hey, when he was healthy, he was a hell of a pitcher. But now he's got 400 home runs. He's got all these RBIs. Put him into the Hall of Fame because that guy was gamer. That's what I think of Shohei Otani. I don't think so. Do you think I mean could you ever in any world say Shohei Ohtani soft? No. When he first came to the league, yes. And it wasn't his fault. We didn't realize it wasn't his fault. That was the Angels' fault. He's always been game on. They tried to figure out, I mean, it was a waste. It was like hardly going to start him, hardly going to hit him. How do you <laughs> How do you you got this great talent, but you don't want to start him all the time. You don't want to have him hit all the time. Like, what are you doing?
2: And how many winning seasons have they had with, with, with the strategy? Exactly. But that's what I love about Otani now is Otani.
3: Otanta, he wants to play. He's showing you right now. He could shut her down, even though he missed, what, last seven games with the oblique. So, so
2: maybe come back today. We, we have to get into it after Matt Kawahara. There's more we, Angels news with uh, Trouty. There's Trout News? What? Uh, well, what, what, He's going to the Royals? What's being reported? He's going to the
3: Marlins? Yeah, well, he,
2: he may want out.
3: Is he going to be in the lineup with
2: Josh Donaldson and the <laughs> Brewers? Donaldson <laughs> just got called up. Did you see that? I didn't. That's smart. They're playing the Yankees soon. Josh JD's oh, Don- back. They played Yankees this weekend. All
3: right. Coming up next, we head to Houston. Our old buddy, Matt Kawahara, I want to hear about the Houston Trolls. And when the A's guy gets the Houston beat, <laughs> What was it like? You'll find out next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The
2: polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've
3: got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com
1: Streaming from the A's Road Studio, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
3: You know, whenever I am in the press box and I'm coming down to get the game notes, and I look and I see that empty chair, and Matt's not there anymore. It's just it's just sad. It's like it's like I always said hello, how's everything going? And now I walk and it's like like emptiness. We miss you, Matt. How are you?
0: Yeah, I miss you guys, too. Good. No, doing, doing good. Trying to get to know a new team, but uh, but it's good to, to see you and to, to catch up with a couple of the guys actually out here today uh, pregame. It's nice to see everybody.
3: I want to know what the Astros fans' reaction was when the A's beat writer now becomes an Astros beat writer. What was the fans' reaction?
0: I don't know if it was too, too much of a reaction. I, I think, every, you know, people are people welcome sort of the coverage. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like it's more the the paper uh, that, that matters, the, um, the outlet. So I'm sure they're, they're glad to have, uh, you know, the continuity there, but um, the guy who was here before and uh, covered them for the Houston Chronicle did a really good job. It's now with the athletic chair in the room, obviously um, still covering the beat. So it's been uh, just kind of trying to get to know a new, new organization, new team, new players. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been it's been an interesting change for sure.
3: Well, the Houston Chronicle has been one of the top papers in the country for a long time, and and Evan Drellich was with the Chronicle mm-hmm. when they first started all these investigations about the Houston Astros. So, you you, you covered the A's essentially covering the Astros too uh, from a standpoint as a visiting team going in there. What is it like? What it, maybe? What are your thoughts opinions that are different about the Astros now that you covered them? Versus when you're covering the A's and you just travel there as a visiting beat writer.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, you just get to know sort of the, the people better. Sometimes you'll go over to the opposite side and, and check in on the visiting team a little bit, but now that you're around them every day. You kind of get to see how they go about their business, get a little bit of a better um, feel for who they are as people. Um, so that's that's a different view than you normally get um, when you're just you know just ducking in for a series or so. I think uh, you just kind of get to see consistently how this team has um, has just kind of been really good for the last few years. Um, when you watch sort of the lineup that they run out every day, the rotation that they've run out, uh, obviously they've had some some injuries throughout the course of the season where you know they were without um, guys in their in the rotation that they were going to count on, but they were able to plug a couple of guys in. Um, they kind of managed to... Get through that first half without having uh, Altuve in the lineup for a lot of it, and um, they were missing on Alvarez for about forty games with the oblique injury. But they were able to get through that, and they've had a couple of younger uh, players sort of step into in and become more almost every day. Not necessarily every day, but just you know, they've been able to produce for them at a, at a pretty high level, which is why they are where they are. I mean, they were chasing the Rangers for all summer, and now yeah. here they are, kind of making a late push, um, and. I, don't know, I think they have a sense. The sense in their clubhouse around the team is just that they, this is kind of their time to, to make their move. And obviously, they've been here before, and they've sort of this is the time where they're going to make that push. And as long as they get into the the tournament at the end, they, I think they like where they're where they're at.
3: So at the end of the broadcast yesterday, obviously, I'm getting ready for today's game, and Astros just pumped the Padres yesterday, and I'm like. 82 and 62. Wow, 20 games over 500 and it just it seemed like it came out of nowhere and they now lead the west. I mean, we're talking about a team that's been to a franchise. They've been to the ALCS 6 straight years, during that time four World Series appearances and two World Series titles. There's something special about this group. Has there been something that you've learned why this group is so special?
0: Well, I mean, talent is the first thing, um, but I mean, like I was just saying, I, it, you know, before covering the, the A's full-time at the Chronicle, um, I worked for the, the Sacramento B for, for a while and, and did some A's and Giants coverage at that point. And I think one of the things that um, always stood out about those uh, the Giants teams that went to the World Series, I covered the, the World Series runs in 12 and 14, was just that um, they had a, a sense of when it mattered, they could turn it on. And it it was kind of hit or miss whether you know how how well that served them because there were the years in between where they they weren't able to to get into the playoffs and um, maybe during the middle of the season just kind of that sense of hey when it matters we can turn it on might not might have undermined them a little bit I I don't know if that was the case or not but that it always felt like if they could get to the uh, get to the point where you know it's it's playoff time or it's September and it's time to make that push they did have another sort of level that they could rise to. Um, I think, you know, this team having ducked in at midseason, I missed that sort of first couple of months, uh, where you know, they, they got off to kind of a cold start. And then, like we talked about, they were, they were missing Altuve, who's just such a, an important part of their team, their offense. I mean, you saw what he did in the Texas series, you the Boston series. It's, that's one thing that I think has has really stood out about, uh, about being around the team every day is just seeing sort of the, the different ways he regularly impacts games or, or just the, the, the way that he regularly impacts the, the offense, um, when they have him up there at the top is just different. So, um, that, that's one thing that said about, but back to your original question, I, I, I do feel like, um, you know, now that it's getting down to down the stretch here, a few weeks left, um, there is just kind of a sense of confidence, um, And something that they refer to a lot is just that they know how good of a team they are. And uh, they've played up to that level, I think, more maybe over the last month, month and a half or so, at least since in the second half since the break than, than before.
3: Yeah, I'm looking at my notes here. And Alvarez is hot. Jose Abreu is now hot. Altuve obviously smoking hot. Kyle Tucker been hot all year long. Bregman's hot. It's just like down the line, they're all hot, right? And as you said, they've been beating the crap out of everybody. It's uh, it's been real interesting. Who is though the leader? Who is the guy? Who does everybody look to? Who is the guy? Who's got the it factor? Who's the leader in the clubhouse? This is like getting to know your enemy. By the way, now it's like we've gotten you to infiltrate them. We want to know about them, Matt. Who's who? Who who's the number one villain in that club? Who's the it factor guy? Who's the leader?
0: We, uh, I think. Well, I think Bregman is one of them for sure. Um, he is just kind of a, a steady, steadying presence. Um, very, I mean, he's probably going to play unless unless Dusty decides to rest him for. He's only rested in one game so far. He has he's played in all but one of their games um, so far this season. He could. They have an off day every week for the rest of the season, so he could play wait, in one sixty-one out of one sixty-two. Wait, wait,
3: wait, right wait, wait, wait! Bregman's played in every game but one. Except one, yeah. Oh, um, don't tell George Kirby that. Whatever you do, <laughs> do not tell George Kirby. Do not tell a lot of these players that Bregman has played every day but one, because you know, and he, he hasn't been to the hospital, right?
0: He hasn't. No. He's he's and he's gotten better as the season has is. Is he
3: showing up like in a wheelchair or crutches every day? <laughs> he he's actually been able to play all these games?
0: He's mobile. He's he is on the field moving around. That's um, impressive. And, and also, I mean, there's they've had some blowouts recently, right? They've had some blowout wins. And you know, in the late late innings of those, you'll you'll see Dusty take um you know, he's taken Tucker out uh, in the late innings to get him. A little bit of a rest taking alvarez out uh, brantley was coming back from the shoulder surgery so he'll come out bregman never comes out like if uh it, it, they're they're up by 10 runs in the eighth inning and dusty's emptying the bench but bregman's still there like he plays every inning of every game i think i think that really resonates um so i think that's one reason that he is one of the leaders i think i think martin maldonado is also a guy there and you know he's he's a bit of a lightning rod is something that i've learned with astros fans like there's uh <laughs> There's a group of Astros fans who are, I I think, just are real, real critical and, and others who are real behind him. Um, but I, in the clubhouse, he matters a lot. And with the pitching staff, definitely matters a lot.
3: What is the one thing, now that you've been there a while, that you go, huh, I had no idea about that with the Astros?
0: Ooh, I don't know. That's a good question. I'd have to think about that a little bit. I haven't. Uh, Let's come back to that one. I'll come up with something.
3: Yeah, because there's always like you you go in there, you, you know, you're in their yard, you get to talk to people, but there's always like once you get settled in, because I'm sure that people, if you've never been to Oakland, like mm-hmm. just how big of a difference is like Oakland, the Oakland A's versus the Houston Astros?
0: How big of a difference is it?
3: Yeah. Just what the whole vibe, everything about like the big difference. I mean, we're in division, but we're in two different states. Far away from each other. What is the difference between the two franchises?
0: Uh, well, I think I, right now it's informed a lot just by where they're at, right? Like what's happened in the last few years, um, or what's happening right now in Oakland and the uncertainty about, you know, how much longer the team's going to be there, what what the organization's going through. I mean, they're completely different worlds in the moment, um, just because the Astros are in this incredible sustained run that they're in right now, and. Uh, and the A's are, you know, going through both organizationally and as a, you know, as a business, this period of transition, right? Um, so, so I think going from us just a a, a real um, kind of atmosphere of instability or just uncertainty of not knowing exactly what the future looks like or what even the, the present looks like. There are so many moving parts in Oakland um, that going from that to to uh, the biggest difference is probably just the the continuity that they've had uh, in Houston with both success and both the the pieces of that success in the last few years. Um, the the lineup, the the key players um, who have been here for a few years right now, and just that's that's probably the the biggest difference. Um, but but, but my, what's interesting
3: community. about that though is they kind of remind me of the Patriots, and I wonder if someone would ever do a book about functioning at a high level with chaos around you. Because there's been a lot of chaos around the Astros. There's also been, as Jim Crane said on the field after they won the World Series, we've got a five-year plan to be able to replace anybody on this field. So as much as you think there's stability, you know that in that front office they've got a plan to replace everybody every single guy in that clubhouse in five years. So it's like, yeah, they've got that kind of continuity, but it always seems like that could be fragile and guys could be gone. I mean, think Verlander's just come back, but he was gone. Garrett Cole's gone. Correa's gone. They've had major pieces leave. It's They are a fascinating case study, and I think a lot like the New England Patriots too.
0: Yeah, in the next the next few years, uh, I think, yeah, to your point, in the next few years will be interesting to see who stays – who doesn't? Because uh, you know, there's there will be guys who are coming up to free agent years, um, mid, two years from now. I think Bregman and and uh, Tucker will be um, this offseason. I'm sure there is when they're going to try to get that. Ex- he would seem to be the next in line to to you know do the extension thing, but um, the size of, of contracts uh, or large free agent deals. I, I mean, Jose Abreu's free agent deal this past offseason is the biggest free agent deal that the Astros have given out in Jim wow. Crane's tenure, and that was three years and fifty-eight point five. Yeah. Um, the bigger, the big deals that they've they've done were are the extensions of their own guys in house, but, um, but I mean, you know, Tucker is going to command a lot. He's that. I mean, going back to an earlier question, uh, the 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 all around player that. Uh, the Tucker is. I think that's something you you see a little bit um, from outside, but just uh, see it watching every day. Um, I mean, he was the constant in their lineup for this uh, throughout the season when other guys were hurt or not producing as well or struggling in the first half. He really kept them, I think, afloat throughout the whole thing. Um, and he's not the biggest personality, so he probably flies under the radar a little bit. But he's he's really important. But you know, he'll be coming up um, Bregman in a couple of years. What happens there? Um, Fran Valdez, um, so these are guys who have, have been important for them. Uh, that yeah, in the next few years, it'll be interesting to see how they change. But but on the other hand, uh, they are I think very the the Verlander trade at uh, at midseason this year. Where they they went into that. I mean, their general manager Dana Brown in the couple of weeks before the tra- uh, the trade deadline yes. was talking about how you know we don't want to mortgage the farm for. Uh, For a short-term solution, and then they went and traded their two top prospects to bring back Justin Verlander, and he wasn't like a rental in the sense that he's still on a contract for the next year. But that was a very, like, win-now move. Um, And so I think you you know they do, they know like (laughs) their window is is very much open right now, and it's it's been open every year, right? But. I, I don't know how much longer it stays open, but it's very much open right now. They want to try to take advantage of that right now. It's part of the
3: chaos that, that I'm kind of mentioning like Dana Brown, there's already people mm-hmm. who think, you know, like that move right there, that was done by Jim Crane, Jim Crane, even before that was the guy that negotiated the last deal with Vern Lander when he was on his honeymoon in Italy. So it's always like, all right, uh, who really is the GM who's making the calls That that? That's, that's, uh, that's very interesting. By the way, we're going to get into this next. Uh, is there any talk down there about the whole Trout situation? Are people bringing it up?
0: Trout situation.
3: About potentially the Angels trading Trout.
0: Uh, not that that's not something that I've heard talked about here now.
3: Okay. Are you a big burger guy?
0: Not a huge burger guy. Do you, do you have do you have recommendations here?
3: Well, I was going to say, have you done the water? Have you gone to Waterburger yet?
0: No. That's, I haven't done the comparison thing.
3: That's a Houston stable, a uh, staple yeah. I should say. I was going to say are you an in and out or water cuz everybody's got their cuz down in the south especially in Houston, they're going to tell you Waterburger is the best now. The only time I've been to Waterburger was 2:30 in the morning and it was one of the most delicious thing I've ever had, but you know <laughs> the con- help, yeah. you know the condition I was in, you could have basically had anything. But my experience with Waterburger was outstanding. But so I just okay. want to know uh just, let's we'll end, we'll end on this. How's living in Houston? Because obviously, far different being in South Texas versus living in Northern California.
0: Yeah, it's real hot. Um, the it's actually it's funny timing for the ACE coming right because the last two days have probably been like the most moderate days, and by moderate I mean like it's ninety-five to ninety-seven instead of one hundred and five to one hundred and ten. Um, but yeah, for the last two months, it has just been real hot and it's the humidity is different like i i grew up in sacramento so like it gets hot there yeah but the humidity is different like it's 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 it was a a big change but we've also been on the road like they they were on the road for probably 60 percent of the games between like the doing the change and probably the end of mid-august or something like that so it feels like it's just been a lot of time in, in different cities and everything so i'm still trying to get to learn houston um but one thing I have learned is that summer is summer is different.
3: I gotta tell you, I walk by and your chairs there empty, and I I miss you. I miss seeing. It's a great.
0: It's a great spot. Somebody should go hang out. Sometime.
3: I know. It just it just sits there empty now. It's lonely. It's like you're gone. It's like it's almost like I. You know, we did the cardboard cutouts in 2020. I almost <laughs> want to put. Uh, The cardboard cutout of you there to remember you by, because you are—you're the guy that was always there, and you're not there anymore. We definitely miss you, but congratulations on a great gig. The Chronicle is a Houston Chronicle is an outstanding paper, and you're covering one of the best. So we're always going to be calling on you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's good to talk to you. That that spot also is where the uh, the possum came in from the ceiling. So if you ever want to go see if the possum's back, then just you have to just have to crawl up or walk up those two steps and look up in the corner.
3: Hey, I, I bet I bet they got a lot of weird stuff floating around that place. With with be, being in Texas, they got a lot of. In oh, Houston, as you said, the environment's kind of swampy in some places. Who knows what's rolling around in their ballpark?
0: Yeah, the bugs are big too. A lot, a lot
3: of <laughs> take, take insects. Take care, buddy. You be well. We're proud
0: of you. All right, you too. Good to talk to you,
3: Matt Kawahara. Used to cover the Athletics now with the Houston Chronicle. Um, you
2: said Fran rear we got a break for- Fran's not till when? Four? Yeah, I was just saying that so we can get the uh the, so we can play the music for him. Like, the Bills have you ever had so Whataburger? I have, yes. What'd um, you think? It was fine. I'm a bird. I but I don't I'm gonna say some people are gonna be mad, but I, I just don't You're not a food guy. No, I I didn't, No, you're when not when it comes to I'm you're sorry, not I not think In and Out is overrated. But you're not a food guy. Like I couldn't we
3: can't you're not a steak connoisseur. You're not a barbecue connoisseur. You
2: don't eat seafood, so it's you're not a food guy. So I'm the only person the, on the planet that doesn't eat seafood because well, I've, I've met more people that haven't than have. But they have a lot of seafood restaurants. Oh yeah, so obviously. Well, seafood so same with exists. here.
3: But I'm saying it's like I can't. You're not a. You're not a. Food's not your thing. ever you, you eat, obviously, but you're not like. You're never going to get yeah, a job
2: as a food critic at a paper. <laughs> no. Uh, I thought Waterburger, the burger was good there. And I but when people go what's the difference between that and I just don't I can't wait in line at it in and out for an hour to get a hamburger that I can make at home.
3: I honestly can't give you my assessment of Waterburger.
2: You got to go back. I did mine so. It was so. like
3: 2:30 in the morning.
2: Was it at the airport? No. Oh, I did it at the airport. We
3: were I was with the Raiders. We were taking on the Houston Texans. It was a long night out. It was a great night. <laughs> I was in a bar in Houston that had a back bar. It's a famous bar. I saw pictures of it. So it's a bar, but then they have a back bar that's just all Magnum Pi. I've heard about this bar. It's incredible. Like you, like I'm like, come on, is this real? You walk in, everything. They've got all this old Magnum Pi merch. Every drink is a Magnum P.I. name. They got Magnum P.I. On, on the TVs. I mean, it is hilarious. Do
2: the bartenders have mustaches? Oh, theater? yeah,
3: everybody's dressed in Magnum P.I. Hawaiian. I am like, you're in Houston, Texas, you're in a Magnum P.I. But it's not the actual, it's just the back bar. It's a, it's a bar inside a bar. So there's like a regular bar that you go into. You would know until you go to the back and go through a special door, you're now in the Magnum P.I. bar. It blew my mind. So, you can imagine the mindset I was in when I was eating that Waterburger burger at 2.30 in the morning. It was delicious. But then again, anything probably would
2: have been delicious at that point. Yeah, I've only had it at the airport in Dallas. I think it was when we were flying back from. You can't judge something on the airport. No, that's why I said, like, I actually need to go to Waterburger, But I don't have any plans to go back to Texas. It was a
3: big burger, and it was delicious. Unless I'm going back but to But my watch. state of mind was a little fuzzy.
2: I also. I also got us into a Rockets
3: game. We went to a Rockets game. So I can say I've been to a Rockets game. So I got to walk on the old floor that they won the championships on.
2: Uh, is that the, Akeem the Dream. Toyota Center is that what it's called? I think it's what the arena is. I have no idea. Tillman for It's, it's, it's and...
3: changed how many times? Yeah. It's a cool arena. I liked it. The Rockets. I like Houston. I like every play. You can find fun everywhere. It wasn't hot, though. It was football season at that you, point.
2: You found fun in Cincinnati? Huh? You found fun in Cincinnati? I found
3: fun in Cincinnati. Cincinnati's
2: awful. That's why I, that's why I brought it up. I knew you don't like Cincinnati. Well, remember, we went across, into because
3: it's just a bridge that separates Kentucky and Ohio. Mm-hmm. So you literally, I mean, they share the airport. You don't fly into Cincinnati. You fly in Kentucky and bus over to Cincinnati. Uh, right across the river are the old Kentucky whiskey bars. So we went, I mean, we talk old. I mean old. And when you walk in there, they all, like, turn around, and they know you're not from there, (laughs) right? Like, we all walked in, and it was like, who are these boys? You know, "We're, we're not from Kentucky. But I'll tell you what, they had some of the coolest Big Red Machine memorabilia I've ever seen all screwed, bolted into the walls. But it was, like, Big Red Machine, pictures of them all, all signed, And I'm sitting there, because, you know, all the Raider people, they don't care, right? And I'm sitting there in this Kentucky whiskey bar, and I'm, like, going, this stuff's worth a lot of money. I mean, this is signed by everybody. This is signed by Joe Morgan, Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, George Foster, like, all of them, Perez, Sparky, all of them. I'm, like, this stuff. And, you know, as we get along, some are not with us anymore. It becomes more valuable, this old school. Everybody's smoking cigarettes, drinking whiskey. Everybody's probably looks fifteen older, fifteen years older than they are. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'm sitting here going, these guys got a lot of money worth of merch here. Kentucky. I've only driven through Kentucky. Cincinnati. What did I do in I ended up, I ended up at a. It was this big pizza place that turned into a night spot. In Cincinnati. I do not even know one of the nights we were there. I didn't know how I got there. I ended up there. And I was like, wait a minute, this is a pizza place? What? Because do- what happens is when you travel with a team, you always hook up with people. And who was our uh, old Connor Cook? Oh, yeah. Hooked up with Connor Cook. The Xf- Mi- XFL, great. Michigan State Spartan, a former Raider quarterback. He was playing for the Bengals at the time. So we hooked up with Connor Cook, and he started taking us around. And you always end up at spots. You always end up places that
2: you shouldn't be. Raiders playoff starter, Connor Cook.
3: Yeah, the only uh, the only rookie to ever start a playoff game. And it was his only start. It was very, un- very unfortunate Jack circumstances. Jack Del Rio, I did the TV show with Jack Del Rio, and that week he came in and he was like, we got no chance. Well, because, you know, there's never been a rookie to ever start a playoff game. And it's his first start ever. That's never happened. And there's a reason.
2: And, yep, that was it. We've seen a couple rookies since, right? Well, Brock Purdy did it last year. but No, no. Your about first, ever yeah. oh, first ever start is yeah. the playoffs. You're yeah. a rookie, oh, yeah.
3: and your first ever start is the playoff game. That's never happened in the history of the NFL. Yeah, well, it's a bad
2: – he was put in a bad spot. By the way, uh, speaking of Cincinnati, um, <clears throat> Joe Burrow, highest-paid quarterback in the league and uh, lays an egg in game one. I'm sure Cincinnati – Who's from? sure Cincinnati. Did you see the it. outfit he wore walking into the game, the all-white with the chain? It was beautiful. And uh, he put up – they put up three points. It's a saying – Monday, Monday Monday, morning quarterback. I'm not saying season's over for Cincinnati, but. Oh, God. Do you know what it's like to do a show with someone like Cody?
3: Already week one. Well, like I said, Raiders are going to the Super Bowl. Steelers season's over. Yeah. Week one. Let's all make the decisions on week one. Deion Sanders already won the
2: national championship in Colorado. We mean, no. He's yeah, Nick he, Saban's out. And he's going to Alabama. <laughs> Saban's coming back to the NFL. Mm-hmm.
3: Saban's going back to the NFL. What happened? That's
2: weird. We're not off the air.
3: We're not off the air, but they can't no, see us. You can, can you still hear us at athletics.com slash A's It says we're still plugged in. The great Fran Reardon, manager of the Las Vegas Aviators, trying to get into the postseason. He'll join us next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You gotta go to their website right now, Linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our
2: new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better. All thanks to Link Soul.
3: So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to Linksoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com.
1: Ace Cast Live continues from the studio. Here's Chris Townsend. The Bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now. The Bills are making it happen now. Stand
4: up now. Come on and shout. That is amazing. Is that good? That is so
3: good. Oh, come on. chris dun, 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 dun. monday night football that's the way to you know what when you think about the road to the super bowl for the buffalo bills starts with monday night football in new york you get to get after aaron Rodgers, take them down week one does it get any better than this friend
4: no it, it doesn't this is uh this is a pretty exciting opening week for the bells and yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Aaron Rodgers is in New York, and um, you know, I'm in Texas right now, so being able to to, to watch the Bills on an off day in yeah. Texas doesn't get any better.
3: Yeah, I was thinking about it, like, oh yeah, you guys got Mondays off, and think about just you know what what it means for the bills this like this is the year right it's been building up it's been building up you got your quarterback he seems like he's on every commercial verizon commercial now he's getting his love it's like this is it right brady's gone miami might be a problem let's be honest miami might be a problem but this division right now this is this is your destiny is in your own hands
4: I, I agree. Uh, the the division is pretty tough, though. I mean, you mentioned Miami, and you know, we'll see how the Jets are. They obviously have a very good defense, and see how Rodgers does. But it's it's not a it's not a cupcake division at all, and it'll be interesting to see how we come out this year.
3: Uh, just how nice has it been to have that set day off, where it's like a Monday where everybody knows. <sighs> Whether I just need to relax, I gotta pay some bills, I gotta do some laundry, or even when you're on the road, just get your feet up. Uh, it's been obviously a long season. Triple A plays a long season. Just how big is it to know that you got this one day, and you can count on it every single week?
4: It's great because there's there's not a lot of stability in the minor league lifestyle, and to have that stability of having the the one day a week off, you know what day it is. Um, we travel a lot so that's usually our flight day if we're going on the road or if we're coming home and it just gives you a little buffer zone in between the six game series we play to just kind of regroup recharge relax and you know depending on what you're doing depending on where you are get a nice dinner do something fun in whatever town you're in and I, i i can't tell you how much i enjoy the the one day off a week how much do you talk to your players
3: about you know hey what you need to do, what's best for you. As you mentioned, sometimes it's about having fun. Sometimes it's about having rest. How much do you guys have those discussions with the players?
4: Um, just just kind of conversations about work life, baseball balance in general. Because all these guys have a lot of stuff going on, and it, you know, you you can't grind on one thing too too much, or else it'll consume you. Uh, you do need the, the mental relaxation, the physical relaxation sometimes. And at the same time, when when we go back to work tomorrow, we'll, we'll get to work. We'll get after it and, you know, play play hopefully the best baseball of the season, these last 12 games of the regular season. You know,
3: the minor league season is so interesting because of all the player movement. you got to deal with all of that. We've talked to you before about, hey, the number one thing is getting guys ready to come up and play at the the big league level, and you're going to lose guys. You're going to have guys come back, guys go up. But in the end, you want to win. You're super competitive. You guys are playing well here in the second half. You're leading as we speak over Reno. What is that like as a manager to where you have this roller coaster ride of all these different things going on that you need to prepare and get ready for? But in the end, still you as a manager, you want to win.
4: Yeah. I mean, you said it, we, we want to win every game. And I think if you just have the mentality that every day is like a different movie, you know, there's a very slim chance you're going to have the same roster in triple a for, you know, best case scenario, more than a week at a, at a time. And this season has been no different. I, I, I don't think we've had the same roster for three days in a row, let alone a week, but it's just, it's just part of the game. It's part of the job and it's part of the fun and challenge of, You know, no matter who you have on the roster that day, no matter who's pitching, who's in the bullpen, um, if they've taken five of your guys or, you you know, you're getting five other guys, but they're they're traveling. So you're short. it's just part of it. And you just have to you just have to make do on any given day. And I think uh, I think our staff and players have done a good job of that this year.
3: How much do you think that's made you a better manager?
4: Well, I, I I certainly think it helps me with my ability to adapt, adjust, be fluid. Um, understanding that it happens, you know, I've, I've been doing this for a decent amount of time now, and um, I'd like to say that nothing surprises me. But sometimes you 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 get a curveball, and it's like, whoa, that's never happened before. Um, but I I think it has helped me. I think it has helped me improve with my ability to think and react, and and judge certain things on the fly and just go with the flow and go with what we have on any given night.
3: Yeah, I believe, and and, uh, you're very humble, but I believe you're going to manage in the big league someday. And I just wonder, you know, when, when you do have these long series, when you do have stuff that's abnormal to the big league level, the type of preparation, how that prepares you. Because I think the one thing that, we don't talk about enough with managers is the chaos that you've got to deal with on and off the field. You're dealing with human beings. You're dealing with guys, especially older guys who have wives and families and kids. There's a lot of things that you have to deal with that you will have to deal with at the big league level. That's why just all this chaos around you to me seems like great preparation for the big league job.
4: I, I agree. I agree. And being able to, to have the demeanor in the midst of chaos that, like I talked talked about earlier the lack of stability for a lot of things that happen in minor league baseball just to be that stable presence and that that kind of hopefully calming presence when you know things go awry or things are happening quickly and like you said the human side of it where these guys all have different lives personalities uh, family situations come from all different places and yeah, I, I think it does kind of help just to have the experience of just trying to remain as calm as you can in any, any of these situations.
3: When you have some guys who are on a little bit of the younger side, how important is it to finish the journey where we talk about getting through that long season? Because not only at the big league level, but at the AAA level, these guys, some of these young guys, it's the most games they've ever played in a year.
4: Yeah, and that that's... You know, you, you have to give these guys a lot of credit because I don't have to have a lot of conversations with them about their work ethic or what they're doing to prepare their bodies, what they're doing to prepare their minds before games. Uh, it's just a very professional group that I have a lot of trust in that they're going to do the right thing, you know, before games, during games, after games. And that that's really a sign of a, a good group of, of people, a good group of players. And I think the results are starting to come on the field because we're playing our best baseball when, you know, they they should be at their most tired. They should be at their most beat up. They should be, you know, not putting out their best efforts. And we're seeing the opposite. So a lot of credit to those guys. How
3: cool is the playoffs when you get in? And everybody knows each other. There's like no secrets. You guys have played so many games, and you play. I mean, like six game series are crazy to think you play the same guys over and over again. Just what? Well, take us through what the playoffs are like.
4: Well, I tell you what, these six game series and and going into hopefully a uh, playoff birth, ber- you <laughs> you almost have to like try try new things, think of new things, uh, new plays, new signs. Um, new, new positioning, whatever the case is, just something that maybe can give you a competitive edge because we have seen these teams so many times throughout the course of a 150-game season. But, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, the question was, how is it to make the playoffs? And it's, it's unbelievable. You know, we won the division in 2019 and went to the playoffs, the, the first team uh, in Aviators history, and we're, we've positioned ourselves to do the same thing. And the guys have bought in. The guys are excited. The guys are, are playing for that reason right now. I mean, um, among others. And you know, a lot of times in Triple A seasons, at the end of the year, if you're not playing for much, it's tough to motivate guys. It's tough to get guys to, you know, to dig deep and finish out the last 10, 15, 20 games. And you know we, another thing that we don't have to worry about these guys are engaged they're locked into what they're doing and they're 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 playing a really intense really fun really focused type of baseball right now
3: you know it's one thing when a guy wears you out for three straight games in these long series how do you handle a offensive player who's either worn you out throughout the season, or he's worn you out, like, let's just say, the first four games. I mean, at some point, you get tired of a guy wearing your ass out. So, like, what kind of changes? Like, what do you do going, I'm tired of this guy beating me? Like, <laughs> how do you go about that?
4: that? That is such a great question because there is always one guy, every team we play, that will just kill us. Yeah, And we'll, we'll try to mix up our, our, our approach with him. We'll try to pitch him differently. We'll try to pitch him inside, knock him off the dish a little bit. And for whatever reason, and, you know, our, our guys do it to other teams, too. I, I think it's just across across the game in the PCL, there's always one guy that just kills you for the series and maybe kills you for the season. And it's just a confidence thing with him. It's just uh, maybe he feels comfortable playing against the Aviators or whatever the case is. He, you're just always trying to make adjustments that, you know, if, if, if he lines out a couple of times, you're like, oh, well, at least we got him out a couple of times. <laughs> But that's, that's definitely an issue, and that's a great question. All right, so some of the
3: players that we've been looking at, now that you've got to see Daryl Hernandez, we know he's an offensive player. He's still young. What what do you view as his future defensively? Shortstop, third? Where do you view him defensively long-term?
4: I mean, I, I think he can play all three, third, short, and second. He's, he's played – probably 90% of his games here at shortstop and he's done a really nice job. Um, He works very hard at it. He wants to stay at the shortstop position. You know, there's been some people that have told him, Hey, you might end up a second baseman. You might end up a third baseman. And at the end of the day, he wants to play in the big leagues. And I I don't care. I don't think he would care much if he was playing at second base or third base in the big leagues. But at the same time, he's got a a really, really high belief in his skill set to play shortstop. And that's what he wants to do in the big leagues. And, I I just don't doubt that this kid can do anything that he wants to do because he has such incredible self-belief and confidence in his abilities, and I just wouldn't put anything past Darrell because I think he's that good of a player.
3: All right, speaking of second base, I came up with this over the weekend. Uh, A guy that used to play for you, he's now starring for the Oakland Athletics, is Zach Geloff. We've been trying to come up with a comp, but it's like I'm a dinosaur now when I bring people up because all these young people that I work with, they have no idea – I was trying to think, who does he remind me of? I came up with Ryan Sandberg. What do you think about that as a comp yeah. for Zach Geloff?
4: Yeah, I, I mean, that's pretty high praise, but uh, I, I would say that Zach has the ability to turn in the kind of career that, that Ryan Sandberg turned in. I, I mean, he, just so athletic and, and so so gifted on both sides of the ball, the way he runs bases, uh, his his mindset and the way he goes about everything. Uh Yeah, that's, that's a really good one, actually. I wouldn't call you a dinosaur for saying that. Fran, you would have thought I was talking about a guy
3: in the 1930s. <laughs> it's
4: not like you dropped a Onus Wagner on him.
3: I mean, I felt like I was like <laughs> sharpening spikes, taking trains, playing in wool uniforms. That's what I like. Ryan Sandberg, like I, I forget a lot of these kids because the reason why I went with Sandberg is Sandberg early in his career ran a lot? Like there were, there was a year he had 54 stolen bases. Multiple years he had 30. He's six one. Geloff's about six two. Yeah, there, there's a lot of when you look at their games seem very similar. And I've just been looking for a comp, and, and I like that one. Uh, uh, Brett Harris, how is he doing?
4: Well, he, he's doing he's doing great. Are you asking about how he's doing on the field or how he's doing physically after getting hit with a 97-mile-an-hour fastball in the face?
3: I didn't see that. My God, is he all right? I didn't know about that.
4: Uh, yeah, honestly, it was best-case scenario. I mean, he took it flush in the face, and he oh. handled absolute champ. Um, but, yeah, there's no facial fractures, and uh, he, he still has all his teeth. Um, he had to get six stitches in his lip, and uh, he's got some concussion symptoms. But, you know, all things being equal, it was really the best-case scenario for taking that kind of uh, violent hit-by-pitch. But yeah. before that, he was he was fantastic, you know, playing a great third base and, and hitting the ball real well and make, making adjustments that he needed to make. And hopefully he only gets to, gets to miss a, a few games and get back on the field for us.
3: Are you excited for a lot of your guys – for this coming spring training that you know that, I mean, we're going to have just a massive fight everywhere for jobs. I can't wait. It's going to be a bunch of young guys. We're all going to be there. Let's fight it out for who's going to be the twenty-six. I think you've got a lot of guys on your roster that got a shot next year. Are you excited for that?
4: I am. I, we have a lot of really good, young, hungry players. And, you know, just I've had conversations about that exact thing, you know, going into spring training next year and fighting for, Uh, spot on the big league roster and there's there is going to be quite a few people from this this roster that are going to you know make those bids and make those pushes to to make the big league team and i think it's exciting i think anytime there's competition for the highest level in sports it's it's a good thing for the organization for the players for a winning environment a winning atmosphere because the competition is spring training and and usually, you know, spills over into the competition of the season. And the more good players you have competing for those spots, you know, chances are the better off your major league team is going to be. So I think it's going to, it's going to be a really good spring training next year.
3: One more on the team, Joey Estes. What have we seen so far? I believe he's still 21 or just turned 22.
4: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going to be really good um, for how young he is how mature he is, how poised he is on the mound, the way he competes, his focus, his energy. Uh, you can see it in the way people defend behind him. He is really good tempo. And I haven't even started talking about his stuff, which is which is really good as well. Um, you know, he's, take, he's taken some some learning curve lumps that a lot of people take when they come up to a different level. And he's smart as a whip and is, is doing a really nice job of making adjustments. And I think he's got a really bright, bright future ahead of him.
3: Well, back to football, the most important thing here. You, you realize you. Um, Super Bowl's in Las Vegas. So when the Bills are in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, you're not going to have to make crazy travel plans. You got the place to stay. You know the lay of the land. This is going to be an easy Super Bowl for you.
2: I think we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. What are you talking about? You got to believe. If you don't believe, you can't get there.
4: You got to believe. I appreciate the confidence. Hey, I will tell you a a great story. Well, like I said, we just we just landed in Austin and drove to Round Rock. Yeah, and it's an off day, and the staff is looking for a place to watch the game. And the Anchor Bar is near the original chicken wing restaurant started in Buffalo, you know, 70, 75 years ago. The Mojo. Yeah. Well, guess what? There's an anchor bar franchise here in round rock of all places. Is that not a sign? Uh, Call my bookie and let's put all our money on the bills to win the super bowl.
3: (laughs) It's it's out in front of us right now.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So we're heading over there after this call actually, and we're going to, you know, Belly up to about a 200 chicken wings and watch the Bills beat the Jets tonight. You're
3: telling me a franchise that started in Buffalo is in Austin, Texas.
4: Yeah, and there's not even a lot of there's maybe five franchises of this place in, in the entire country, and one of them's in Texas. What in the Jim Kelly is going
3: on here? <laughs> that is a sign.
4: I, I couldn't agree more.
3: Well, I I I I I'm very happy for your you know beat. Do you have it? Uh, Monday Night Football. You know, as a Raider fan, going in week one, winning in Denver, your first win in division on in a tough place to play is huge. You go in week one. It's only week one, but you go into New York, Aaron Rodgers, win week one on the road in division. People really don't realize, when you talk about how hard it is to win in sports, it's hard to win in the NFL on the road in division. This will really be huge for you guys.
4: Yeah, I agree. Hopefully a great way to start the season and hopefully a fun game. You know, It should be fun to, to watch two offenses and two really good defenses battle it out. So we'll see. Looking for uh, ASE's domination tonight for the Bills.
3: Chicken wings, beer, Monday night football, and a Bills win. Go have fun, my friend. And we always appreciate the time. And we'll talk to you when you guys are in the playoffs.
4: All right. Thanks a lot.
3: Awesome little Monday night football talk there with the great Fran Reard, the leader of men. That is a
2: sign. I mean, when you only have a couple franchises and one of them's in There's
3: like a couple franchises out of Buffalo and it's in Austin, Texas. If that is not a sign, isn't that? And by the way, you know you're old when you still use the word bookie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Get the bookie. No one has bookies anymore. Why is that? I mean, everybody I know for some reason in California has has, has ways to bet.
2: It's called they have a guy, <laughs> right? Is it's not
3: they have a guy. They're betting on phone, and I don't know. How,
2: I, don't know. I, I, don't, I don't gamble, so I don't know.
3: I, do, I I only gamble when I'm in the great state of Nevada, the silver state, and then it's legal according to the seminar I watched. Correct.
2: I just don't do it. Never ever have.
3: Yeah. I, I, my, Besides my, fantasy. My, my betting football. day. My betting days are over those. I mean, you don't win. <laughs> you don't, it's fun to go on the guy's trip and you sit there and bet college football all day long. Then you bet pro football. You get on the plane and you come home. It's a weekend. If you blow the money that these guy, I mean, you're always chasing. You're always losing. It's just it's it's no fun. Games are miserable. Oh, I need juice on the game. Oh, how many how, how many games you need to lose and you're like, yeah, this is not fun having juice on the game. How many people last night were feeling good? Oh, yeah, Giants. Big Blue. Were, both were in the playoffs last year at home. Bad weather, blah, blah, blah. How'd that work out?
2: Well, it was great for the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys were favorites, so they – I guess they would have covered this. Yeah, spread. you
3: thought you were getting three, three and a half, something like that. Well, they only covered it. If you're the Giants, you're yeah. at home. You're a playoff team. Yeah, if you're the Cowboys, how many people bet the Giants last night?
2: Yeah. First well, game. That's showing for a big blue and Daniel Jones, that new contract. Had
3: that Seahawks favored by five and a half workout. Rams
2: looked good yesterday. Matthew Stafford. Broncos
3: were favored over my Raiders. How'd that work out?
2: Sean Payton, huh?
3: Chargers were favored over the Tula was, and the Dolphins. That was a really good game. That was a crazy <laughs> game. Tom Brady came back. Eh, that didn't matter. Uh, he not, rang
2: the bell or whatever.
3: Niners covered. I ended up watching that
2: halftime last night on YouTube. I mean, come on, man.
3: He's the greatest of all time.
2: Oh, you can't say that
3: around here. They're going to tell you it's Montana.
2: No. Montana never lost the Super no. Bowl. I,
3: I have all the respect in the world for Joe Montana. Joe Montana's number two. Actually, Joe Montana said Dan Marino's number one, which I would agree with. When it comes to throwing the football, nobody threw like Marino.
2: Oh, so you're saying Dan Marino, great thrower of the football? Oh
3: my God, he's a thrower of the football. <laughs> oh my God, Dan, Dan Marino. Dan Marino played when you could still molest the wide receivers. Can you imagine if Dan Marino played with rules today? Oh my God. Um, Tom Brady's the
2: greatest. Come on, six Super Bowls in New England. Then he went to Tampa and won another. There are, people in Tampa don't even know who he is anywhere. It's all Baker Mayfield. That's sarcasm, but Baker Mayfield is one to know as a buck starter. And it just
3: shows breaking up's hard to do. Because I mean that was tough. can you imagine you grow up a Tom Brady fan? Next thing you know, Tom Brady is leading Tampa Bay. You're, you're the you're the Patriots and you're a little kid in New England and Tom Brady's in a stupid buccaneer uniform and Gronk. Yeah, that's true. How problem. disgusted you would be? Oh, my God. Uh, but he was kissing Kraft, telling him he loved him yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. It was... uh, Bengals are favored by 2.5, had that work out. How do your Vikings do favored by 6?
2: That was a bad. They were 11-0 in close games last year, and they already lost one this year. Hey, Chiefs. Dan Campbell, he's going to bite your kneecaps. Raiders the
3: only team undefeated in the uh, AFC West. Book it.
2: I think the, I think going into the. By the way, this is college football, real quick. Going into the Cal, the Cal sanford thing, uh, that Pac twelve was undefeated until Stanford and Cal both lost.
3: Exactly. <laughs> Get those ACC clowns out of here. By the way, Stanford, I think San Jose State. The way we played SC. Now that you've seen SC roll Reno, I mean we were we were with them at half. Yeah. Like people were kind of nervous at SC. I was at the game. People were like, "Oh boy, there wasn't there was a dead stadium." The way at the Stanford just got rolled. Reno got rolled. Just shows you San Jose State's a little better than you think.
2: Stanford, Stanford I, sucks. That was not a good showing. Stanford and sucks. But the there was a throw Caleb Williams had in the in the red zone where he flicked its sidearm, and it's like, wow, this guy. Do you realize great
3: arm how arrogant? And one is my dearest, oldest friend. She's a Stanford grad. She's a former Stanford cheerleader, song girl, whatever the hell they call him. I cannot believe. There was like twenty-five guys who left Stanford in the portal. How could you leave a Stanford education? I, I can I can tell you right now it's how many talks. You, how could you leave? Like the odds are you won't even be in the NFL. A Stanford education is priceless. See, that's how they think at Stanford. See you later. We're out of here. I'm like, you who do you think's gonna go to Stanford anytime soon? Stanford football is done. Done. Until you may it may be you were done with Walt Harrison, buddy Tevens. <laughs> it wasn't until Jim Harbaugh resurrected your ass. We might not see in our lifetime Stanford football be good again. They're going to be nomads. You're not going to have any top players want to come play at Stanford in the ACC. And you're going to get what? The smart kids? That's great. You're going to get a Christian McCaffrey again?
4: No. You're Andrew gonna,
3: Luck? You're going to get Andrew Luck? No. No, 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 no. Stanford's going to be a dog with a. Cal, you might as well wrap up the program. And Cal is so in debt. Cal is so – and you know what I heard? How much time I got? You want me to break a little big-time news? No, we actually have to go. UCLA is in such debt right now. They had, had to fall. SC felt like they had to take these clowns with them to the Big Ten because UCLA and Cal are so in debt right now, their athletic departments, it's unbelievable. Just throwing it out. I think the L.A. Times reported that before me. Yeah. So, I cannot say I'm breaking any news. But, yeah, they're in serious debt. UCLA, for survival, had to go with SC to the Big Ten. Had to. Because they're in such financial straits. Yeah, that's what you get here. Where you want? You want A's? You want baseball? You want Nick Saban? Nick Saban's on the hot seat. You heard it here.
2: Coach Prime, Alabama, before he goes to the NFL. <laughs> He's not. He might leave midseason, go join Alabama. That would be so weak. Right. No, 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 no. It's
3: going to be the Cowboys head coach.
2: I don't know. McCarthy looked pretty good last night.
3: They're going to gag. Don't worry. Yeah, it's Cowboys. They will gag. And then Jerry Jerry Jones wants I'm telling you, Jerry Jones wants a, Jerry Jones is seeing all the publicity. He wants that kind of publicity. And if it's not Jerry Jones, there's another NFL owner that – Folks, I live through John Gruden get, getting 10 years, 100 million. I live that. All right, I got to go. Coming up next, A's Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors,
2: lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're
3: talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts, anything you need for summer. They have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love baseball and
4: beer.
1: When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you're likely catching me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26 man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp Pilsners and tropical
3: sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's
2: got
1: your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's FieldworkBrewing.com.